episode 230 of the F Reality Podcast. Today's show is not sponsored, so instead, I'd like to dedicate this one to all the hardworking hardware and software engineers out there who rarely get shoutouts, but spend their sleepless nights working out challenging problems so you and I can just melt away into another existence whenever we want. We owe them a lot of thanks. With that, here are today's teaser topics. Grand Theft Auto and VR Dreamers have a nibble. VR BCI, that you definitely did not expect. VRTO is a vision of the future. And Lumapad 2 is bringing 3D back to life. Towards the end of the show, Senor Rowdy is stepping into releases to give us a cut of what VR's got in store for you in the weeks ahead. All right, on to my esteemed co-hosts. Taking a break this week is our VR tech. Jose is taking a bench seat and will be supporting from the sidelines with a large foam hand that says, Go Rangers! But is actually scribbled out and says F Reality instead. Next lad. He was away last time, but he's back. Surprisingly not smothered in syrup nor covered in cream. Uh, But that's all right. He's a Belgian waffle all on his own and needs no sweeteners. Open wide and get your forks and knives ready. It's Rowdy! Hey! Hey, Rowdy! (laughs) Um... Yeah, I'm, I'm currently not in Canada, indeed, like you, like you mentioned already. I'm currently staying over uh, with my parents. I, I went to visit them in Belgium, so it's, uh, it's, been, it's been good to be back for a little while, at least. You know, like, some things are changing for us, so it's, like, kind of cool to, like, just be uh, back with the, you know, with the, within the old house. Like, mm-hmm. some, some of the people who have watched this show, like, a very long time ago probably remember the the background that i have here uh, that was during the, the period probably that i was moving as well to uh to canada initially a couple of years ago and actually i did the, the interview with david hater i did that exactly in this spot as well Aww. so uh if you, if you go back and watch that then you recognize the environment as well so uh but no i've been i've been great uh like uh things have been really busy with the traveling of course but um yeah, it's good to be back. You know, I always I always find it fun to be on the show and to talk and complain about everything that's been going on <laughs> in my life and in the virtual reality world. So, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to this one for sure. Oh, man. Well, Rowdy, it's good to have you back in the seat with us. Uh, I always feel like the, the IQ of the podcast is raised a couple of notches every time you're here oh, with I, us. I think so. I would disagree with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's what they say. You know, the more you learn, the less you know. Right. So that's that's. Case in point, right there. Um, anything you wanted to highlight over the last couple of hectic weeks, or have you? Are you just travel down? Uh, I, I've just. I mean, I don't even have my my VR headset with me at the moment. So for me, it's just been like you know trying trying to get my life back on the rails. Uh, so that's that's mainly the thing I've been I've been trying to do. Yeah, for sure. And how's that laptop treating you? Uh, now that I, it's been nice. I've only had one issue, and that was a technical issue I had before the show. Is that for some reason I'm not able to charge it. <laughs> So That's I had nice. to like uh, quick fix a solution with like you with a USB C port. So I'm hopefully, hopefully that's going to work out. And I think I might already have to go and buy a new cable or an adapter. Mm-hmm. I hope it's nothing wrong with the laptop. But uh, yeah, you. Apple should make their products a little bit better. No, <laughs> could be. The, did you buy it in uh, North America? Yeah. Could yeah, it yeah, be yeah. the um, you know the fact when you if you it, how are you. Converting the power. I guess the brick is still. Anyway, we'll 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 tech we'll go through the technology side of this. <laughs> yeah, uh, sure, sure. Another time. Uh, but I have my brains already jumping on what are the uh, possible realm of of electricals. So with that, at the helm for this high tech cast, uh, she's our Wizard of Oz, the Queen Crab, 
the walkabout wanderer, and generally a wicked witch who keeps finding more ways to trim toenails and boil bats. It's the one and only Adam Bombardi. Such an accurate description. Always, always just spot on. Um, Queen crap. <laughs> well, I am, my astrological sign or whatever is cancer. Not that I'm so deep into horoscopes that I care about that thing. But mm. anyway, uh, I came back from Romania last week. We did like an offsite with the live team. There was like uh, 12 to 14 of us. I forget exactly how many around there. Um, but it was fun because there's nothing like bonding with your co like you you get to see another side of your coworkers when you're all drinking <laughs> but in a good mostly in a good way i mean like i i can genuinely say oh, that wait, I wait, do... wait 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 i love it when you say mostly so now i kind of want to hear about the part not mostly the good well, way no. like what what is <laughs> i mean like in my case i'm I, i'm sure that for like maybe other people or other companies like you've got that one person who's just not a great you know, when they drink, they just get angry or whatever. But that's not the case. That's, with, me. With that, that, that's Adam. That's definitely Adam. <laughs> I don't get I'm a very happy drunk. Thank you very much. And then until I get tired and then it's just I'm just tired. Yeah. <laughs> but um, it was so nice. It's uh, I can genuinely say that I do, you know, love everybody that I work with. And it was so great. At first, we stayed in Cluj, which was more uh, city. Mm. But then for like three days, we stayed like in traditional Romanian cabins in like the middle of nowhere. It's just like oh, God. the the road is just dirt and rock and it was, it was interesting, but it was, it was fun. It was nice to uh, like just wake up and not have obligations. So I was just sit outside on the porch and it, it was just, it was nice. Like just to not have to wake up and do traditional work. It's just like, I can, I can just enjoy myself and, and be outside and, uh, and just be in a different country. I don't know. It was, it was really nice. And, and then I had, you know, like post vacation depression a little bit. I was like, ah, <laughs> back to the states but uh but it was super fun and um kind of actually tying into some vr stuff that i've been doing um i noticed that i got a little sad because i know you know a lot of people from europe are bilingual i feel like people from the states are not so much and so it makes me feel very uh i don't know dumb. In- inadequate very dumb yeah very good thank you thank you you're welcome <laughs> I can say it in three different languages, but anyway. <laughs> so uh, what I started doing, because I was like, okay, um, you know, closest to me, most people speak Spanish and Spanish is also a really popular language. And I couldn't take it in high school because all the Spanish speakers took the Spanish classes. So I took Japanese, which was still cool. But uh, I, so I started uh, doing Duolingo, of course, on my phone, but I've also started dabbling in Nowntown, that um, the oh. VR app that teaches you languages and stuff. And it's, it's really right. cool. Like, it uh, it's been really useful because you, it, I mean, you do learn nouns. So you start off in like a cafe or bakery, and you grab like an, an object and you hold it up to your ear, and it'll tell you what the what, what that thing is in Spanish, and then you can hold the trigger and read it back, um, and you can talk to like the islanders and have conversations and stuff. So that in combination with Duolingo has been helping a lot. And it's oh. like I just I just want I don't want to I don't want to be dumb anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I love I love I love Adam's like perspective on this because it's exactly how I felt when I first like moved to Europe. It's like you feel like everyone else has this special power and you're like the one who's yeah. like I mean I don't I know, know the like, run to the litter. Speak English, but I I like say if uh they decided to go to Mexico and they want or like a cruise or something cuz like we had our our Romanian guys were around so they were able to help translate and everything when we were there cuz like when we were in the middle of the country like hardly anyone spoke english so i want to feel like i can 
help or contribute or just like not stereotypical American that only knows English, like at least <laughs> at least try. So that's yeah. But uh, so, so Nowntown, Nowntown's been helping me a lot and it's really cool. And I recommend it if you are looking to learn new languages. I think they have like is, five. Is it out now? Because I remember it being in alpha and I think I tried it then, but I'm not sure. Has it been released subsequently yeah. or? It's yeah, on Steam it's and on Quest. Um, okay. Don't know about PlayStation, but I've been playing it on the Quest just because it's, you know, <laughs> bless you. Yeah, look. Thank you. Learning in uh, learning learning in VR is a real special thing. I think whether it's um, putting you in the seat of someone you know someone else. Like I remember seeing a one of those BBC. I think it was Syrian refugees on a boat, um, and it it really impresses upon you something. But it's also the same thing with spatial learning, right? You see something in a physical way, and it it tends to stick better. So um, good luck with that in your language lessons. You know, before yeah. long. One one question I had for both of you is. Um, Given we don't seem to have quite enough of uh, European influence these days, although those were our roots, you know, starting off, um, I was curious, like, what stands out to you as something that's better abroad than, uh, you know, back home in in North America, so to speak? So what's what's one thing that kind of stands out? I got this one because I it's another thing I felt inadequate about was just history, because I mean, yes, we like, you know, North America, we came from Europe. But when you get to hear about like Romanian history, uh, you know, or even Netherlands, wherever I've gone, they have like such deep rooted cultures and history. And us were like, yeah, we took it over from Native Americans. And it's kind of, you know, we're kind of English and French and like, <laughs> there's nothing really unique, I feel like about the States. Although I did have a nice perspective from a coworker. He was like, yeah, you know, the States are younger, but you kind of hold on to your history tighter because of it. Like, you know, we've got civil war reenactments and all kinds of other stuff that happens. So I guess <laughs> I best, don't know how I felt about part. that. <laughs> yeah. We, we, we don't do that in Europe. Like we don't want to reenact our wars. I don't think that's a good <laughs> These idea. These are amongst all. us, our, our own people. So it's not as bad, yeah. I guess. <laughs> but you know, class. yeah, that's one thing is history is I really wish, like I'm very jealous of, you know, Europe history and culture because it's so long and, deep and rich and it's just like yeah I'm from we got french fries which aren't really ours or <laughs> nothing's really ours they're ours what are you talking about they're belgian <laughs> well it's like i said nothing nothing it's is ours fries yeah <laughs> i don't know i growing up in the caribbean i had to take um caribbean history and i had this big cackling ursula a uh, woman of a, of a of a Caribbean history teacher, and she liked to collect male torture devices and brought in the collection to show <laughs> the teenage audience that she had in the class. And it was like, oh, oh, and so this screws in there and that, to, oh my, you know, it was like that. So, what class was yeah, this history, again? A history. Caribbean history. Oh. Yeah. It's, it's, it's mostly, it's mostly kind of educating you about the slave trade and, and where the Caribbean islands took part in that. And there's a whole bunch of, there's really, really deep culture uh, that, and history that, doesn't get covered in the typical American syllabus. And so it's important if you're on the islands to learn that stuff. But yeah, one thing I didn't expect was, uh, yeah, twisty metal objects for gentlemen. It didn't, didn't, didn't expect that. Don't, don't Google that now. You'll ruin your search history. What about you, Rowdy? Um, Europe, what's, uh, what's the taste of home or what's something that's new out there that's uh, special? Like special in Belgium? Yeah. Waffles? I mean, like, except for French fries and 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 mayonnaise and and Belgian waffles, was, there's not really that much. Wait, <laughs> I would say. Well, hang on a second. This time there. of year, 
You've got like, Tomorrowland. That's 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 one thing that's really cool. I don't go to Tomorrow. That's not my kind of thing. What is like, what is Tomorrowland? <laughs> no, it's fucking awesome. It's, it's an awesome festival. Oh, it's, it's a, a giant drug festival. <laughs> <laughs> Yay, drugs! <laughs> so proud of my it's country. It's like a, what is it? It's like techno and house. I would say, right? That's like the the big thing there. Uh, they have huge DJs that come and perform there, and and the the entire thing they construct looks really cool and really futuristic. Yeah, I think that's pretty neat, yeah. But uh, it's not my kind of music, no. Not at all. No interest whatsoever. Never been, never will. Oh, all, all good, all good. Um, well, I just want to say uh, thanks to chat and our regular listeners, uh, as I don't often stop and smell the roses. The roses are you. So thanks for being our good-smelling garden is what I'm saying. I know how much Rowdy appreciates a hearty horticultural audience. Um, and for those of you who don't oh, yeah. know, the very few I'd imagine, I'm Zim. It's been two weeks since my last F Reality podcast. Withdrawal symptoms are settling down, thankfully. And today's show is exactly, I think, what I've been craving. So, uh, one thing, if you'd like to know a little bit more about me uh, and my backstory, here's a quick plug for the um, Between Realities podcast, where I chatted with uh, Alex and Skiva gave props to a few old friends in the industry and finally got that one off my bucket list after about three years in the queue. Uh, there were also episodes featuring Adam and Rowdy, so and Jose most recently as well. So if you want to know more about the cast, uh, go check him out there. Uh, my last two weeks were brimming with action, actually. Um, more than often, I'm more of an in-house kind of guy, but the last two weeks I've been off on vacation and... Um, Went to Canada's Wonderland again, uh, so theme park. Uh, went to go check out the water park and slides and all that kind of stuff. Went into one of their things called a black hole where it's completely dark tunnels, you know, going in the water. And honestly, that kind of freaks me out. So that was a that was a, nope. a, a fun one. And then um, yesterday we went to see Medieval Times here in Toronto, uh, which you'll know about if you've seen the movie The Cable Guy. Uh, where Jim Carrey goes to town on his on his buddy, um, totally mad. It's wenches and plates full of food, crowds cheering, um, and a fucking awesome falconer. Like seeing a real live hunting falcon flying above your heads, literally soaring right past your ear, you know, with death kill talons, is uh, is pretty pretty impressive. Um, and to top it off, then I had my annual barbecue this week, so just grilled it out awesome. out back. Totally got fat this week, man. I've put yeah. so much food down. It's crazy. Chilled out in our hammock. And um, aside from all that horseplay uh, and applying a lake's worth of aloe vera to heal my burns because I'm not the kind of lad who's smart and put sunscreen <laughs> on, um, I also had to go at Spatial Ops and Space Pirate Arena again uh, with our guests. So we went out and found a field and did some of that. So I just want to give a shout, and that's part of my uh, applause for engineers who make something happen. Because room scale, like full room scale VR, where you got to use your damn legs and move about, is, in my opinion, like just a magical, a magical uh, solution. That formula is just beautiful. So whether it's iIllusions or Resolution Games, uh, you guys, you're, you're my heroes, uh, running around and uh, playing it's just an undeniable, unparalleled VR experience for me. Fresh air and VR is also a very powerful concoction I've found uh, for just f setting the bar on fun. So uh, those, <laughs> those are my highlights. 
the, I, I, if people are wondering how Zim looks like with burns, uh, you could you could go and check out the picture that Jose posted not too long ago, right after the Between oh. Realities podcast. Uh, I think that's a pretty a pretty good estimate of how Zim would look like. Oh, oh my God, Adam, if you're able to throw that See on screen, you're permitted. Or I'll throw it, it in chat. It might take me a little bit. <laughs> I saw yeah. it and I was like, oh my God. Um, it, looked, it looked like I, I mean, I used to be a hospital porter and I've dealt with people with third degree burns and that's what they look like. Uh, like completely, not even like beet red. Like you are, yeah, it was it was mad. Like saturation gone wild. Lobster red. Lobster red Lobster zim. Red. But no, yeah. I was. I was, uh, I was like, I was like, oh, I'm going to even out my tan. I'll just take the shirt off, be shirtless for the day. Yeah, that wasn't so smart. It's been quite warm here. Um, I thought that was a filter. But, like, I thought that it was just like, not a filter, but you know, your camera, the white balance is off. And so in, in this case, it is. But yeah. Rowdy's okay. actually seen me quite burned. And it's not far from the truth when I get proper <laughs> burns. So that's a pretty I good I think one. it was the, the HDR option, right? With the, yep. with the screen from Jose. I think that. That's what it was. But I can't but imagine watching content like that. You know, like you, everyone's blown out to all hell. Like it's it's amazing. Yeah. Um, it was brilliant. It was brilliant. It gave me a laugh too. I'm glad you called it out. Um, so with that, I'm going to go ahead and uh, we'll jump into the, the newsreel. So so um, first off, Braddy wasn't here last week when we, um, <clears throat> you know, flooded Adam's home environment. Caused all their friends to come over uh, to throw up on the walls and stuff like that. Well, we've leveled up the augmented reality game now. So uh, let's have Rowdy in the middle of his room with a great white shark shark pet to keep you company. I think this is, this sounds good. All you need, Rowdy, is a MetaQuest Pro, and you can be dropping meat for your friend Sharky Shark all afternoon. I mean, how would you like a uh, shark tank in the middle of your home? I'm curious. It's like evil lair think, status, you know, like, yeah, check out my shark, but you got to put on this awkward VR headset to do, <laughs> to do it. Or I'm assuming, right? Because this is, uh, oh, yeah. It's, well, it's, yeah, it's using a quest because it's got hand tracking. But yep. I mean, if we can get this on glasses, I guess, where, you know, put little glasses on your party guests when they come in, that'd be pretty cool. Yeah, it's a little, little breathtaking, actually, getting, um, getting uh, sharks swimming around. So so for the audio listeners, what we're seeing on screen is uh, looks like a large glass window with sun rays coming down. And through that, you get to see Ocean Rift's um, original great white shark experience where they're, uh, the shark is just swimming around. And with the Quest Pro, they've done it through AR. So it overlays on your actual walls of your home environment. And you've got a daunting shark just swimming around uh enjoying some fresh meat probably just went to medieval times i'm guessing it's just giant well. hams just like it's just like the, the the stereotypical ham with the bone sticking out that's like they just yeah. toss that in there and there you go <laughs> a lot of you detail done it with like a megalodon that would have been sweet <gasps> that have been that would have been awesome It'd be huge there you go um, so that's that's one for anybody who's a big fan of Shark Week every week or every year, um, and and that one will, should should do very well. Another thing that I wanted to share, uh, which is the constraints, because we now know that uh, the Vision Pro, the Apple Vision Pro headset, uh, which is eagerly awaited for 2024 release, is coming. Um, there are some developer rules for getting one of these, how you have to protect it, and because most of us listening to the cast, unlike Guy Godin, who I saw in chat. Um, don't have access to this kind of equipment or opportunity as a developer, 
I thought it'd be interesting to share this on the show. So, Adam, I'm going to let you read this one out uh, when you when you get a chance. Um, I know it's kind of small, so just go ahead and verbalize it for us. I got it. I'll just awkwardly stare up at my second monitor. Don't mind me. Uh, you agree that all access to usage of and storage of the DK will be private, secure workspace, accessible by only you and your authorized developers, e.g. fully enclosed with solid doors, floors, walls, ceiling, and locks that could be engaged while the DK is in use. You must ensure that the unauthorized personas, including any family, friends, roommates, or household employees, do not access, view, handle, or use the DK. When in use, the DK should be in your positive, uh, be in your positive control on your persona or within your direct line of sight at all times. You must ensure the DK is passcode protected. Never leave the DK unattended. When not in use, turn off the DK and store it in its locked Pelican case in its locked space that only you have access to, e.g. a locked room or closet, a safe or locked drawer. Uh, DK will be may not be moved from or taken away from its shipped address by you or your authorized developers without Apple's prior written consent. You will be away from your workspace for more than 10 days. Uh, if you will be away from your workspace for more than 10 days, consult your Apple point of contact about how to keep your DK safe while you are away, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Basically, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Got to wow. gotta look after that baby, right? You know, so lock it up. <laughs> I'm glad there's no fingerprint read requirement. But um, yeah, that it, it, it's just a, some people might feel that that's a bit overboard. But of course, Apple's Eesh. quite secret. And from what we hear, I, I saw a few industry vets uh, confirming that most developer kits come with very similar requirements. Mm-hmm. But I haven't I haven't seen them written out like this before. So um interesting to see it. Interesting to see it. What do you think uh, as a as our Apple fanboy of the podcast Rowdy? Do you think that Gross. that's uh, that's appropriate? I think it's perfectly appropriate. <laughs> no, stupid. <laughs> I mean Yeah, I mean it's like that kind of hand holding that just like pisses me off. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't think it's I don't think it's I mean I'm guessing it's just like to to put themselves in a safe spot in case something does happen that you didn't like, you know, do whatever it is that they said and they, you know, then they can make your life a lot harder. But um, yeah, I don't think it's necessary. Yeah, those those guardrails are interesting because when you read them like that, it seems like pretty Iron Curtain. It seems like, oh, my God, this is like I've, I've entered a dictatorship. At the same time, there's some things in that that maybe wouldn't occur to you. Like, you know, I'm going on holiday. Maybe I should tell them, you know, the, the security of the device. But what do they do then? What do they do? You're like, oh, I'm I'm going to be away from my house for 30 days. You ship do it they back? have you send it back? Yeah. Do they Maybe. have you send it back? Does someone come uh, like a secure, you know, courier, like when you're getting a passport expedited where someone comes like to your house? They send like a genius guy to your house who just stays there. <laughs> he sits in your chair. Watches your family. You need to put like food there, like some drinks, and then he just stays in your house in that seat. (laughs) I have heard though that, yeah, this is pretty common. Like I think with the PSVR 2, from what I've read, is it also had, like it has to be locked to a certain table or device or something. And you know what, with all this, I'm surprised we don't get more leaks. Because I mean, Yeah. yeah, it's written out, but I feel like it's so hard to like just completely outside proof of physical headset when you have one yeah. i guess if your family isn't as you know they don't care about tech and what they're just like oh i don't know that's you know that's my husband or wife's cool gadgets <laughs> and they don't the really other care, the other but... thing that i would say is like if you've got a, a sensitive device like that and it's in your hands and you've had previous sensitive devices i feel i feel like you'd if you're too talkative on social media not directly about the device but maybe 
almost as that like third person character that you're talking about, like reacting to certain things. People can discern that you have it and they might just target you to break into your house and go get one, Ooh. you know, particularly competitors in the corporate space or, you know, they're, we're talking about huge bucks, right? So um, they could incent them to do the wrong thing. But anyway, I thought that was interesting for people who maybe hadn't been exposed to it before. Um, with that, let's move on to Reddit. Uh, so normal kind of dip dive into things that we see are interesting over on the Reddit landscape. Well, Reddit is still called Reddit. Um, as posted by Lara the Dev on Reddit, um, they're building a giant procedural city in VR, which a la GTA 5, every single building can be entered. This is called Vuntra, Vuntra City. I don't know what that name means. Uh, but Vuntra City VR, and uh, you can follow the developments on Twitter at Vuntra underscore city. Uh, but it looks like a pretty neat future. Um, as someone who's really incentivized to wander, a little nod to the Wander app, and, uh, you know, in Minecraft and things like that, I tend to just go for a walkabout. Um, so this looks really neat. Um, it's, it certainly looks better than a lot of the other 3D worlds that I've seen that have been um, kind of procedurally generated or what have you. Uh, but this has a lot of nice texturing work, and um, as far as I can tell from the, the videos, um, seems quite performant as well. So that's pretty neat. And this is uh, this is coming off of the Unreal Engine. Uh, so that is I love that, like, almost every door has, like, the slide in it. <laughs> yeah, they, they don't open, like, yeah. a standard door. Yeah. yeah. Probably easier on the dev, I'd think. Um, any other reactions to that? Big city to go explore. It's pretty. I wonder if I mean, um, like, it, oh, ahead, Rowdy first. I, I, I'm wondering if, like, if they're gonna like populate, or is it is it just like to look at things? Yeah, I don't That'd be know. Cool Post-apocalyptic city. I would love that. Like, it doesn't have to be all oh, shiny neat, and yeah. touristy and slidey dory. <laughs> That's got to be more complicated from a mesh's perspective. But I agree with you, oh, Adam. Yeah. I would much prefer something and set in all you know. Uh, Last of Us world or something, you know, something like you're saying, post-apocalyptic, um, to go and venture and explore. A large, wide swath uh, territory like that could be leveraged for something like a Daisy VR setting. And you don't have to be, it doesn't have to be highly populated, but provided that you've got persistence in your character and can wander across it and discover stuff and run into other real people, wow, you've got a really compelling VR experience then, right? What I wouldn't want it to turn into is a a giant advertisement. Hey, let's all sell ad space in this soulless metaverse, right? I wouldn't want that. And unfortunately, it looks a little bit more like the latter. Mm. Um, so yet to see where we're going, but with, you know, the direction that AI and generation is going, I think we're going to see a lot more of these on the on the near horizon. Uh, so that's cool to see. That was uh, Vantra City. Uh, another one, bit of sad news for everyone out there who enjoys enjoyed the Microsoft saga with Kinect and harmonics music behind Dance Central. Uh, for those who didn't know, there was a VR game called Dance Central, partly supported um, by Oculus Studios. Um, Reddit has said that this is confirmed as dead. It's been delisted from the store, uh, likely uh, a symptom of the epic acquisition of harmonics. Um, and the support is said to no longer, or sorry, support teams are said uh, to be giving refunds uh, if you say, hey, my game's not working, I bought it for the license fee, can I have my money back, please? Uh, we saw this with Face Your Fears a little while ago, happening with the DLC dying off on 
on the various installations there, both on Quest and Go. For example, I tested this this morning. I could install it from scratch for the, I think, three gigabyte install size, and I could play a couple of single player songs, uh, but all the multiplayer stuff said network not functional, um, even though I was connected to Wi-Fi and everything else was functional. So it does look like the um, servers and services to the game are gone. Uh, so if you like Dance Central, sorry, a bit of sour news for you. But there you go. Either of you dancers <laughs> win this kind of game? Of course, I am. every Saturday evening. <laughs> Do you now? Do you now? Don't mock me, Ready. This is a serious affair. <laughs> More rhythmers than dancers. I don't. I don't. I don't really care for the freestyle dancing. Not freestyle, but where you have to kind of use your whole body and mirror um, mm. a thing. I just feel. I don't know. I feel very stupid. <laughs> Everybody else looks really cool when they play it, but I feel like when I do it, it's just like a monkey trying to like. Oh, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, takes work. Takes work, and uh, that work you got to be a super nerd to put in. So. Yeah, I, I hear you. And it does not look good. I don't think anybody <laughs> looks good doing that. I agree. I'm I don't sorry, know why we're Adam seeing that. I I don't think. Twitch, <laughs> I don't think I mean, people look good at it. There's like the people that were really hardcore into, I mean, not uh, the VR version, but, you know. Oh, oh. Hardcore people. Yeah, this did- the Kinect versions were pretty, pretty cool, um, but stuff like DDR and that, if people are really good at it, it's pretty awesome. One thing I wanted to, the reason I want, I'm echoing this is, again, it's just a cautionary tale of legal rights issues that over time um, when um, IP like this changes hands, and particularly with licensing tied to music, it gets very complicated. We'll talk about legalities a little bit later when we go into the VRTO section, but um, Guitar Hero, Rock Band, and potentially one day Beat Saber might face a similar uh, fate. So really just something to think about. Um, if you really love those titles, you know, hug them tight while you still got them. <laughs> speaking of that, let's talk about texts from my ex. I got to say that um, every so often, this cast, this crew, we have a funny disconnect. And it's this time it's well worth highlighting. And I, this brings such a smile to my face. Uh, when I was setting the stage for today's show, I mentioned my ex as a topic we'd be discussing. Uh, now, this isn't at all what I meant, but I read the description of the podcast and I noted that Adam took this to mean, uh, oh, you said in the description, oh, you said, we'll discuss the Twitter. texts from... <laughs> <laughs> Text from my ex-relationship app, which analyzes your text conversations using GPT to provide sassy insights and a compatibility score to share. So I've got to ask, Adam, have you used this app? Have you tried it yourself by any chance? Because you did you poke this at us. And I was going back through. I was like, how did she get this connected to that? And I was like, oh, yeah, you said this in the Twitter group. I was group, looking, so like, really why did he curious. misspell X? But then I forgot about the Twitter thing. I, I literally just made that connection now. Holy crap. Okay. Wow. Um, no, I kind of did want to try this before the show, though, but I don't have iMessage, so I would have had to try it on WhatsApp. Oh. But also, the last time I've had an X was when I had, like, a flip phone. So I don't I don't oh, know wow. how this would just would work for me. I was trying to, like, can I fake it? Or do I just, like, analyze texts from my husband and it says we're not compatible? And then what, what happens <laughs> then? Amazing. <laughs> and then you have an X. Yeah, there we go. All right. Congratulations. Like, I can test the app out. <laughs> Get some confetti on screen. You know, it was worth it. Um, but yeah, that's a, that's actually a good point you bring up. I mean, how far back in history can this thing troll? But for those uh, uh, singletons out there who uh, maybe are, you know, recent breakups, then check this out. Maybe you have better luck next time around. I, where I'm, did you- I'm telling you, I'm telling you, stay the <laughs> hell away from this kind of stuff. This is a bad idea. This is such, I, you know what this is? This is Black Mirror. You know the thing where they like go back in memory and they, you know, you can see like the videos that episode with like the 
This is the start of this. You don't want to do this. You don't want to get started with this. Yeah. I'm not condoning it. I just thought it don't was like, it. look at AI maybe not doing great things for you being used for great purposes. <laughs> yeah, I saw this and I, the immediate thought was data harvesting. That's all I thought. I saw this and I'm like, how much data are they getting? If you're giving someone, you know, all your SMS messages, all your WhatsApps or whatever, those are typically encrypted platforms. And you're like, open gates, here you go. I don't even know how you grant that access, but I saw this, yeah. Adam, and I, I was know. like, mm-mm, no. But also, like, if, if you look at the terms, because of course I looked at the terms and conditions, because, you know, this is, this is what I like. And they're saying they're not storing any data. The only thing they do is they exchange it with the OpenAI API. And I'm like, so, but that's sharing it with a third party, right? You know, you don't know how OpenAI is like actually storing this kind of data. And you know that OpenAI is using this kind of stuff if, you, if you're not careful with like, you know, uh, trying to like uh, get this, I, I don't know. It just makes me a little bit, yeah, before you trust it, before you know it, your last sloppy relationship route is ending up on OpenAI as a story for the next Harry Potter, <laughs> fueling it. You know, oh Hermione, you know, <laughs> oh, that's great. Couldn't get him off those beaver tail addictions or whatever. All right, so that was texts from my ex, which was a funny side step. From I feel very where we stupid now. No, you're usually really, really good. I have to say this. I give you almost like no intro and Adam like almost always gets it perfect. So I have to <laughs> clash the symbols anytime you get it wrong and just have a laugh. It's very funny. Very um. funny. Um, but yeah, what I meant, what I meant by my ex was two parts, really, uh, was that one part uh, for some of us, our darling Twitter uh, has already been through enough trauma. But now all of a sudden, uh, Elon Musk has opted to rebrand it. To just X, I personally think, is flatly irresponsible. Um, certainly up there, maybe even more so than the uh, Oculus brand being upturned by Meta. I mean, building a brand over a decade or whatever and then just literally throwing it in the garbage bin, I I think is just completely stupid. I, I can't even imagine, right? Now, one thing is, uh, Musk has people currently blowtorching um, Twitter logos off their iconic office locations around the world, removing birds, top and all that. Even the, the word tweet is going away, apparently. Now, I love when someone comes in as the new owner and says, like, you will call it this. And a lot of people rebuttal. And we saw MKBHD said the same thing. He's like, I'm going to still call it Twitter. And <laughs> Musk is like, yeah, not for long, buddy. <laughs> it's like, you, you can't control language, right? I got I to gotta answer something like why X, right? So as reported by The Verge, the letter X has been on just about everything that Musk has touched for the last two decades, about 20 years. X.com, uh, for those who don't know, was uh, the original name for PayPal. Okay. It's obviously in SpaceX, his rocket company. Uh, it's in the name for his Tesla SUV, uh, which is X.ai, and his kit, right? X Ash A12. Uh, that, <laughs> that poor boy. Of course, this kid, X H A12. Yeah. yeah. Maybe you should have called his website like that. <laughs> I just don't. You know, it, it kind of is a little bit more fluid. But now I, I presume we're going to get the uh, migration uh, back to X.com uh, as an everything app for social and a bunch of other things. But this feels like a kid without floaties drowning in a pool to me. It really does. Um, how do you both feel about Twitter in general these days? And uh, do you see a future for it under this new X brand? 
I mean, I, I've pretty much like deleted the app. Like, I barely use Twitter still. Um, I've never been. I mean, I also don't really use Instagram anymore, and I try not to use Facebook either. So you know, maybe I'm like a bad example, but like. There's only so much social media I can handle. And I feel like Twitter has turned into this drama pool of like, you know, what's... I mean, the only reason I feel sometimes that people are watching it or, or, or still on it is to like be part of that drama or to like... I don't know, like it's just not for me anymore. Uh, I use it a little bit professionally with a, with a different account, but for the rest, it's not really... I don't know. I don't use it for news. I don't use it to stay up to date. I don't. I, I much prefer things like. Um, I think Reddit is a is a great source of news information still, um, even though that can be a little bit of a septic pit as well. Um, yeah. I use LinkedIn professionally quite a bit as well, um, but for the rest, I don't know. Like it's it's, Twitter just feels now like I I mean I have blocked, like you can like choose like not to see posts. Because every time I'm, I'm, I'm opening, it's like, oh, Elon Musk has done this, or Elon Musk has done that. I feel like no matter how time, how many times that I say that I don't, I'm not interested in it, I keep on getting that kind of stuff. And that kind of was for me a little bit the trigger for, I mean, I respect the dude for like, you know, the, the accomplishments he has had, but as an individual and as like the kind of business decisions and sometimes like the kind of weird approach of introducing business to science, which he very, very often does very successfully. I sometimes just don't really agree with. Uh, and as a, as a scientist, then it's sometimes for me a little bit hard to like get around that. Um, he's surrounded by a lot of smart people, though. You know, there's a you know he, he's done that I think really well, and I think that it's you know the the kind of companies that he has started have, have changed the world as we look at it. But I don't think X.com is a part of that. Yeah. What about you, you Adam? What do you think? I don't know. I I think it's a case of I really wish that this person stayed off of Twitter sort of thing, because it's like, I, you know, I respected him for, you know, SpaceX, Tesla. I didn't really I, did, I wouldn't say I like him. I was just very neutral. I was like, OK, he's had, had some good contributions. I, I think I disliked his fans more than himself. But then once he started mm. yammering off on Twitter, once I got to kind of yeah, see, politics and yeah, like, yeah, like read, get to know him better. I was like, I went from being kind of neutral about you to now disliking you very strongly, all because you felt like you had to run your mouth on mm. social media. It's like, why do so many people feel that they have to ruin themselves like that? And just, I don't know, Twitter was my big, it was my, the platform that I went on the most, you know, I got to keep in touch with other VR people, meet new VR people, um, you know, get different opportunities with game companies or what have you. So just, it makes me so sad to see it go downhill and i've kind of tried threads yeah. but it's like broken for me right now for some reason so i was yeah. like where do i go i don't know uh, i don't know but like, kind of like what echoing on what what rowdy was saying like i feel like my trust has been broken uh i don't trust the feed that i'm fed anymore on twitter um and that that change is almost uh, almost timed exactly when musk started making changes to the platform and it's been degrading uh, this actually feels very, very similar to me uh, to, again, chime on what you were saying there, Adam. It feels very similar to when Amazon took over uh, Twitch and things started to just, they were making design decisions that were counter uh, to what the community was all about. And so for Twitter, for me, as many of you will know, I mean, I get a lot of developer crisscross, so 
like what you're saying, Adam. There's people who I've met through Twitter. Um, over the years, has been a great info source. I used to use a live news feed um, called Twitterfall.com, which was live news. So, for example, when J- Japan was going through tsunamis and stuff, I could see hundreds of tweets coming in in real time, like literally like rain, kind of like the Matrix. And you could get the pulse of what was going on in an emergency situation or if there was an earthquake in a, a position. You could, you could you know, real time see news happening, uh, humans reacting to it. And a lot of that got rate limited and cut and stopped, halted. And then the recent changes have made it feel like it's curated. It no longer has its own voice. And so like Rowdy, I tend to go to front page of Internet type websites, things like Reddit, looking for news, looking for really the old feeling of forums back in the day. But this is really important for VR because it's been a really important spine for us. And that's why I wanted to mention it. And um, so kind of laughing against the My X app that we were just talking about, Adam, um, I feel like this is like, you know, you're at the end of a party, like you're at a house party or something. And it's cut down to, I don't know, a third of the people left. It's really dying off kind of thing. feels like that on Twitter right now. I'm not saying it's dead tomorrow, but it doesn't feel like it's going to regain its strength. I feel like it's uh, maybe on its way out. And I don't see an obvious platform to step to next. And I hope I hope we have one uh, before long. And, and, and the thing was, and, and sometimes I, I find it a little bit confusing because uh, a lot of people give Elon Musk a lot of credit for like the companies that he has indeed made big. But... Many of those companies were founded by different people. Like I know, for example, PayPal was not founded by Elon Musk. There were, I think, two or three other people. And Exacom was actually sort of like a, a different kind of financial website and kind of bought out PayPal and PayPal became then like integrated into that. And with Tesla as well, Tesla was founded by, you know, other people as well, where Elon Musk, I think, did like a, like became like a, a major funder. And then he became on the board of directors. And of course, he he built up those companies. So he does that really well. But I actually don't know if he ever bought a company, you know, the size of, of what? He never bought a company the size of Twitter, mm. but a company that's already very big or like has a huge, well, I want to say it's big, but like has a huge existing um, base. Yeah, existing base and familiarity and something like that. And doing something with that specifically, because what he has done before, and he does that really well, is buy a company with a really good or solid ID and build that out and, you know, use his entire network to to bring that to the market, basically. But with Twitter, it's kind of like, I feel like he's like a little bit in like new waters and trying to do things that used to work really well by, you know, rebranding it, giving it a new name and like, you know, using his own kind of like business acumen to bring that company up to you know different kind of things and monetizing it and all that kind of stuff but i feel like it's a little bit like all over the place because he's doing things that used to work really well with companies you know that he started out on um or that he bought and then tried to develop but with this it feels a little bit yeah i don't know even i don't know like, if this is the right strategy even monetization with twitter now like it's you get uh you can't see as many posts right unless you have Twitter blue or the blue check mark, whatever. So I feel like a lot of ad, you know, a lot of companies have pulled off their ads from Twitter because it's like, if I, if you're going to limit the amount of people who are going to see posts in general, why would I want to advertise on Twitter? So then where's the money for Twitter going? Is it just people buying the, the verified check mark? Like what's their monetization strategy? I am very confused by this as well. I feel like that wasn't clear since prior to the acquisition. 
And remember how this all started off. He basically was like, oh, I'm going to buy Twitter. And then he tried to back out of the deal. And then he got forced to continue. <laughs> it's like it was a high purchase, so, right? It had to be a high purchase. Like, <laughs> Yeah, but it's it, it, like it, it's interesting. But the, the reason I care about this in this space, in the context of this podcast is uh, Twitter give, gave, um, in particularly budding indie developers, a great platform to advertise and potentially go viral with their new concept. I remember when Gorilla Tag videos started dropping, for example, and started spinning around the web. And it was this great place where it could gain great reach um, and impact very quickly. And you didn't have to put necessarily a nickel into it. So um, I don't know that there is a an obvious next step for that. I mean, Facebook is probably what people would say um, at the moment. Um, so Facebook by Meta or whatever we call it appropriately these days. So that's the next thing. Um, but I, I am looking forward to the next evolution of social engagement. And I don't think necessarily that that today lives in a VR universe. It's still in really mobile and desktop, right? We don't have that ability to show and tell as readily yet in VR. And I think we need it. I mean, we need to get it there at some point. What that will look like, I don't have an idea. But I, I, I presume it has to be somewhat... Uh, present in that in that spatial environment with you um, so I saw that uh, that Gigo Dan posted uh, did you guys see the recent poke pokes Elon did with the metaverse and Jan LeCun and there's supposed to be a link but I don't I, I don't see, see it either. myself no. um, probably got filtered yeah but like I, I didn't see that but I do find it because Jan LeCun is someone that I follow very actively um, he's pretty much like a like a guru god in the, in the machine learning and artificial intelligence kind of field. So, yeah, I, I would be interested in seeing you know, what happened there because I do feel that Elon is trying to get into that more as well, you know, with his AI own AI company. <laughs> yeah, whatever it's called. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of weird. Kinda weird. Okay. I mean, I don't know. It's, I was also sorry not to tack on, but it's like, oh, he was very anti-AI. Like, AI is the devil. And now he's, you know, working with a bunch of people to... Well, the, the, the funny the thing about that was... I think, right? It, yeah. the, the, well, the funny thing about this was that he wanted to put a six-month stop on it. And I, I agree. I, I do think that there should be, like, kind of like a consensus about, like, we need to understand more what these kind of models are doing. True. But the reason was not for safety. The reason was so that he could play catch-up because six months is about the time that you would need with the kind of money that he has, you know, to catch up the companies that are currently on the on the leading front. So if he would get, like, a six-month stop, then he could play catch-up <laughs> and then, like, uh, you know, <laughs> take over with the funding that he has. So it is, it's all these kind of, like... I mean, business is all really, really savvy and, like, you know, like, it's really straight to the point but like uh I, I would sometimes like to see a little bit more like a model's approach and these kind of things but I, I'm, I'm guessing business doesn't work like that so that's mm -hmm. why i call myself a scientist and not a business guy <laughs> yeah <laughs> well i'll be honest um musk is another one of those names that I, I i feel like we hear enough of everyone's probably sick of hearing his name so i will try to actively uh reduce the amount of news stories that we have with musk in them assuming he doesn't pull <laughs> pull more carpets out from under our feet elsewhere i am still holding out that hopefully reddit stays i'll say pure it's pure internet like rowdy said right there's the good face and the bad face of reddit uh but yeah. i can still glean useful information from it it's still a good advertising spot for you know devs or 
those who are coming up with new ideas. Um, and if you've got questions, again, it's a good place to turn. If you've got a funky problem you think no one's ever faced, Reddit's a good place for that stuff. So um, holding out that hopefully, you know, they took they, they, they slash and burned the Oculus name. Now they've done that to Twitter. Even the app logo on my phone changed, I think, today. So, um, you know, farewell, Twitter. We're going to miss you uh, on that, that Twitter logo and all that. But... You know, like MKBHD, I must still be calling it Twitter for some time. X is just a very weird name. And I uh, hope it won't have to become one of my X's before long. With that, let's uh, let's move on to a an awesome blog post from Sony that dropped about two days after the last podcast, which we just have to we have to show. Um, it goes into how the PSVR 2 hardware was designed, and it features a Q&A with PSVR 2's product manager, Yasuo Takashi. Uh, one of the first images shows a bare circuit board uh, with about 20 cables strewn off to the side. The board is placed at about 45 degrees to the skull, and it looks crazy, like this, this awesome prototype. <laughs> I can just imagine the engineers and their poor neck strain. Uh, but the thing looks really awesome, and it actually resembles somewhat like, uh, you know, the final build. Um, now, that's probably not the first uh, go, but this article was really neat. And about halfway down uh, the page, we see a skeleton prototype. Uh, which is just an incredible model. And it's a see-through headset, which is very similar to what we saw from Meta. Um, so it's like, it's white, it's clear, it's see-through um, in, in, in that way. Not the video, Adam, but uh, that, that's an old video actually from uh, quite, a, quite a while back. And uh, there, there was an engineering um, construction video from, I think it was two weeks after the PSVR 2 launched, which is really worth uh, going into if you're like of an engineering mindset at all. Uh, but the, the skeleton prototype on the PSVR 2 uh, has this lovely, again, kind of Game Boy-esque style to it. You've, you found it? There it is, yeah. It is cool. Ooh. You can see the you can see the circuit tape inside. There's all kinds of things, the fan assembly. And we've said this, I feel like three times in a row now because we saw, you know, the MetaQuest version of uh, similar. Why don't these companies release these headsets? It looks totally cool. Right. And it's like we were using before. It's probably more uh, it's not as rigid as it needs to be or whatever. It probably breaks down. Uh, but that's not the only prototype they show. They also showed a controller prototype uh, called the Prototype 3. Um, these controllers look like two mini DualShock controllers with rings attached prior to the final design, uh, which are really, really neat. They're kind of like two sides. There you go. You got it. Little game pads. Um, so I wanted to show this off because if there's one thing Sony has done this year um, better than any other company, which Meta slash Oculus used to do very well, it's kind of open the hood after the product is out and show how we got there through R&D. And it's really awesome. I hope they keep doing this because, as I said at the start of the podcast today, it's like it's about the engineers. It's about the software developers. Um, they're solving these problems, and you oftentimes don't get to see any of the work that leads up to it. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Um, but neat to see it. Um, we saw it, I remember, years ago with the uh, HTC Vive. Do you remember uh, Rowdy? Because you, I know we're around that time and very Vive centric i we're remember so old. do you remember they took a bunch of old recycled vive headsets and made the vive logo in this like massive uh, yeah, triangle yeah. <laughs> probably one of my I favorite i used to have it as a wallpaper oh Jesus did you Christ. you loved it that much oh, yeah. my days. 
What happens? <laughs> that's a good one. That's a good one. I know. Down the rabbit hole, all that stuff went. So that's the PSVR 2 hardware. A little bit of other uh, Sony news for you. So the um, remember last time we talked about the SAG-AFTRA strikes and WGA? Um, so due to those strikes, there's been a slight pushback on the Gran Turismo movie for anyone who's been following that. So instead of it coming out on August 11th, in case you were planning on or had tickets, uh, check with your local cinema. Uh, it's been pushed back to August 25th. And so that's for the Gran Turismo movie, which covers the evolution of a gamer gone race driver, not unlike Brendan Irebe. <laughs> All right. The other thing that we've heard ahead of Gamescom, which is kicking off uh, the week of August 23rd, there was speculation that um, Valve had a spot in the show floor uh, to potentially bring Half-Life Alex to PSVR 2. This is like the usual rumor mill. Lots of people like to say things. They, they, you know, they'll take one grain of salt and they'll turn it into a bag of rice. Um, and so recently, you know, we saw other contra- contrasting articles debunking this, say, stating that um, Valve's spot was a historic 2022 booking um, and perhaps that they're on the show for, for some other reason than just business meets, for example, which can happen in these kinds of apps like you have for Gamescom or GDC and that type of thing. Um, but I, I, I personally feel like when it comes to Half-Life Alex, we're probably about as likely to see Half-Life Alex hit PSVR 2 as we are GTA 5. You know, they're both kind of sitting in Wonderland at the minute. Um, I'd love to have them, but um, I wouldn't say that either are, are, are very likely. Um, hmm. What do you guys think? I mean, Rockstar has been sitting for a few years uh, without coming back to VR, right? They did uh, L.A. Noir. Uh, quite successfully a little while back. Uh, we obviously had the hints years ago about a uh, potential for one of the GTAs making it to the quest. Um, are we going to see GTA in VR first party ever? What do you, what do you think? I mean, yes, I, 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 I don't think, cause I saw these kind of things like, you know, that it wasn't happening anymore. I mean, I mean, of course I don't know, but the, I would assume that Facebook has pulled out quite a chunk of money hmm. uh, to get Rockstar to do that. Um, and I don't think, I mean, of course, they can get it delayed and they can get it whatever, you know, not not released in time. And then like stuff like that can happen. But I don't think that that it's not not going to happen. OK, so you, you I think, think that would make sense. The meta Rockstar relationship um, even though it's been what three or has it even been four years? Maybe three years since they mentioned. Um, <laughs> it's been it's been a long time coming. We've heard no peep since then, and they've they seem to have axed other projects that they've mentioned. And the only one that's really survived through all of that has been Assassin's Creed, um, which is done with Ubisoft. Um, so yeah, curious, Adam. What, what's what's your take? What do you think? GTA? I don't think. Well, I think we like Rowdy. We are going to see something eventually, but I don't think it's going to be in the next like. It'll be after two or three years, I want to say, is the time scale that, that we give long? it. From now? I think it'll be that like, long. I think they're going to, huh. like, whatever they're Ouch. working on now is going to, they're like, oh, crap, all of these headsets now have these other features. We have to kind of go back, scrap, and redo a bunch of things. So maybe, I don't even know if it'll be five. I, who knows? I, I think that a lot of, um, like, something happened. They realize it's not up to par they're going in and having to redo just a bunch of everything. And so I think it'll be like not even, it'll be two years out probably if even Mm -hmm. then. So I have, I'm more of a glass half empty, but again, uh, if I'm wrong, I'd be pleasantly surprised. So 
I'd rather be <laughs> I'd rather be that way than like, oh yeah, it'll be like next year Christmas title and then it doesn't come and everyone's sad. <laughs> yeah, I I probably the least um uh, hopeful, least optimistic of of the lot of us then because I feel like Meta and Rockstar doing something at this point feels like not going to happen. Um, I think that Rockstar is likelier to do it on their own when it makes financial sense. And like Adam, I think that's probably five years out now. I think it's 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 like going out quite a ways because I feel like they would want to convert one of their standard IPs and do it like a proper Rockstar treatment. Kind of like with Valve, right? Where you, you take as long as is necessary to hit the quality mark. And I feel like we're not going to get all the games that I wish we were getting. I, you know, I wish Bethesda would have their whole catalog. You know, I wish Starfield was coming to VR. I wish Skyrim, uh, not Skyrim, sorry, Elder Scrolls 6 would be VR from out the gates. I wish the GTA 6 from Rockstar would come with VR support. I think we're getting none of that because of the fact that there's, unfortunately, in the industry right now, little to no return on investment for that kind of investment, for that for that kind of but, spend at the moment, at this moment. But like, like I mean... I- I always thought this was some kind of different. I mean, we don't know the exact details of the agreement, right? But how I would imagine this to be is that, of course, we have a Rockstar title, mm. uh, which is it was GTA 3, right? Or is GTA San Andreas? San Andreas, right. So it was GTA San Andreas. And then we have Meta not only, you know, putting money in that, but I also thought that they would, you know, give development help. So they would basically bring in a team to start developing that kind sure. of title. So for for Rockstar, it is just more of the, because of course they're not going to spend That's, development time and and their own money on making this title because they're not going to get anything from this. But I I would assume, you know, me if if I was Facebook, that I would say like you know the interest here is like we're going to loan that kind of IP, we're going to bring in the development, we're going to bring in the team, we're going to bring in the money, and then Rockstar when it gets released, yeah, you yeah. get to you get the nice surrounding the GTA bell tolls. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's why you know I'm right. That's why you know I'm right. It's my it's my grandma's clock. But and they uh, so they would bring in the team, the money, the development, loan the IP, and then Rockstar would eventually get a cut of that. It money. sounds though like an Oculus Studios deal, right? Where like they yeah. own a bit of the stake. And I I, I I'm guessing here because I don't know the the numbers, but um, I I'd be thinking that um, Facebook won't have forgotten the amount of money it poured into. VR software development and would this year be quite frugal and have the brakes on? And and I think not even this year, even last year, right? Where they had the layoffs and everything happening. I mean, they were putting money into some things like Oreoverse, but I feel like they were making the wrong bets. You know what I mean? Putting money in the wrong wrong places uh, to, to help sell, sell their headset. So I don't know. I, I think there's a higher chance that Sony, kind of similar to Resident Evil, right, in that partnership, that maybe Sony would have struck up a relationship either with Valve or with Rockstar and that they would be launching as an exclusive title. I think it would work very well in that partnership. Um, and also, I think the ecosystem is more, you know, it's more powerful. Um, it's 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 the right platform for those kinds of games. So that'd be my guess. But I don't think we're going to see it anytime soon is the sad part of it. Um so that's all speculation about Gamescom and the Half-Life Alex rumors we just saw. Uh, one additional thing I wanted to talk about was just an experience that I had uh, recently. And I know, Adam, you've uh, spoken about this before, although I don't know uh, when it comes to location-based experiences. Uh, have you done all of the all of them under the sun? Have you done uh, Sandbox, Zero Latency, all that kind of stuff? Or is there um, one that you prefer? 
No, I tried Sandbox and gosh, there's one other one in, uh, I don't know maybe if anyone will know, in Vegas, Area 51, they have a VR arcade in their area, but I forget the brand. It's I don't think it's a zero latency because it's not, uh, it wasn't big. It was kind of like Sandbox style. But anyway, I only tried like hmm. two, maybe two, two or three different companies, but it was but, fun. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. And um, and then what was the company? I I can't remember their name. They were there at OC four, I think. Rowdy, do you remember there was um, a a big company that did location based experiences? Like initially, they were the VR location based firm. The Void. Thank you, subs. Um, oh, right. So the Void. If I'm not mistaken, they're they got their legs back under them, but I think they closed up shop during COVID. They had to shut their doors, and then I heard they were coming back. I don't know of any real world locations. If people in chat know already, let me know. I haven't researched this. Um, but yesterday, I got a chance to go check out Zero Latency, uh, which is the company very similarly, right? It's location based uh, VR experiences. They've got 77 different venues. That's quite a lot, even now. You know, only a year and a half really passed the big COVID shut shutdown they're crossing 27 countries uh, so definitely one of the more successful setups that that's out there if you want to go to a place and do free roam vr so again similar to what i said with my highlight this week free roam experiences i think are something magical you can't easily do it at home particularly if you're in europe right you don't have a house that's that big um, you have to really find a place to go when i was in scotland we used to go to a basketball court rent it out and then run it no cables they're streaming from 11 servers you know to headsets on the floor up to eight friends running through an environment and it's not cheap you know here it's uh it's around about 50 or 60 dollars a person uh for you know 15 minutes of setup time 30 minutes of gameplay so that sounds quite pricey to someone who's sitting off the sides but again it's a unique experience i took my kids in uh to see because they're both you know well uh experience with vr and to see whether or not i could get a seven and nine year old in the experience with me and a buddy for kind of a four four player game i was like hey guys can you can i sign a waiver and have a go uh but the proprietor said no we've we've had that before because of the heavy gun that they have you use which is a two-hander um and those things are quite expensive they're like we don't let you know people under a certain age bracket and the age limit wasn't as high as i thought it would be it was only 10 years old so we're getting close uh when it comes um and and i thought that the proprietor did a really nice thing and he's like hey i can offer you um an on the house like 15 minute experience so i was like geez i wasn't i wasn't expecting that so they threw us into an experience called undead arena vr which as you might expect would be it's a zombie shooter um but I was expecting, because I've played a lot of kind of stand-in-place zombie shooters, um, I didn't expect it to be as fun as it was. Okay, so um, the the full warehouse scale, which I know, Adam, you've experienced. Uh, Rowdy, I think you done you did the um, you did something like Star this Wars. with us back in the day as well. You yeah, did Star, Star Wars, Wars with one. us in the Void. Yeah. Did you also do that Western one with the crates uh, for? The one that Meta had on uh, on place. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do you remember yeah. that when they had uh, yeah, yeah. land? Uh, how was it quests? Again? Um, dead and buried. Dead and buried. The dead yeah. and buried experience three v three. Which why they never released that is totally beyond me. Um, but anyway, uh, so we got this kind of on the house uh, run around uh, with our kids, you know, trapped in a viewing area where they could see the VR and the real life thing happening. Um, and I was running around with my buddy, and we were in just to explain the hardware. Uh, they were Focus three headsets, so pretty decent but quite kind of round field of, of view, 5K headset, uh, a custom Raptor gun accessory, which looked a lot like a striker, if you know what that one looks like. And in the game, you had like a selection of three weapons, uh, the best of which I think was the crossbow, surprisingly for, uh, you know, the um, the Walking Dead fans might, might appreciate that. 
It was a shotgun and an AR. Uh, the things that struck me, though, were really easy setup time, because comparing to Sandbox, where you've got haptic vest and all these, like, fucking ball trackers on feet and legs and knees, and, like, it's <laughs> it's a full shop. It, like, and I think it's 30 minutes setup for, for those, you know, 20, 30 minutes to strap oh, everything on, get configured and all that. Bad. For first-timers? <laughs> You think not for first timers? It doesn't take that long. With well, they, the they put like talk? okay, the there's like hand pictures on it, so it's like okay, these go on the hands, and then you know the fingers face forward. It's like they like oh. child. They make it very child friendly there. And like I think the longest part is coming up with a team name and picking your class and weapons. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's what you. Cause yeah. That's what they do while you're while you're putting on the stuff to kind of like help. Uh, make, you know, someone has something to do while someone else is putting on their trackers or whatever. A little tablet passed around. But. And do do you know what for sandbox? Now this is the this is the experience I didn't do, but is also here in Toronto, which I'm I'm planning to go and try out. Um, for sandbox, what equipment did they use when you tried it? Do you know? I don't remember. I I, I mean I have pictures and videos, so I can just go back and look at it. But mm. um, yeah, I don't I don't remember. It was it they was a Vive like headset. It might be though. a custom headset. Oh, it was a Vive headset. Okay, mm-hmm. so. Yeah, one of the things that I, th- I thought was really interesting about this at Zero Latency, which is here in Toronto and a bunch of other cities, was it's just the headset and the gun. That's it. So you've got the headset with attached headphones like that are almost, you know, wired into the into the experience. You just plop that on and, you know, dial it in. You've got the gun and you're ready to go on the floor. Um, and that's uh, that, that, was, that was pretty neat. So, so you don't have tracking then, uh, right? Like you can't see your feet moving or your arms. You can't like... You can't your feet move in some kind of uh, uh, inverse kinematic um, model, right? So there are legs moving, but it's not your legs moving mm. if you're looking at your buddy across the way or whatever. And um, you can see arms, and so the the hands are being or the arms are being tracked, but you can't like point with a finger. Yeah, it's uh, just from like what I remember, base probably was there. Or... There might have been. There might well, have actually... been. I don't know. I was using my gun to point rather than hands. But I think the focus, because it's inside out, does have hand tracking. I would need to think about that one a little bit. My buddy put down a couple of bullet points. I thought I'd give um, his his thoughts on it. So he was saying it's quick quick setup, fun interaction to go up multiple virtual height levels. That struck me by surprise. I was not expecting. So you could walk onto a lift area and say my buddy's flat across the floor in real life, and I get lifted up, right, to um, a plane above him and can shoot down while he's shooting up. That was really cool. That was like, and so I'm running around feeling safe because it was a massive area, massive arena, all all kind of almost asset tagged, right, so that it would track really well. And the tracking was solid, and they were able to remote reboot my headset at the start when our sync wasn't quite right. Um... So troubleshooting wasn't a problem, and it was really easy. It was a really clean and well-maintained uh, environment. Good for socks or or even barefoot, right? They don't allow shoes in that for obvious reasons. Um, the, the group dynamics were quite good. So you could, because of localized VoIP, call across the room. You know, like, say that something's happening behind you, zombies sneaking up on it, or shoot from, you know, across the room and help your buddy out. So that kind of experience I thought I'd just highlight for FPS gamers works pretty, pretty well. Um, I found the triggers were a little bit spongy. Uh, for my taste as a gamer who likes, you know, haptic feedback and triggers and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I, I, again, I would recommend people to kind of go and give that kind of thing a shot. It is pricey, so you want to pick your experience wisely. And before you go in, know what you're getting for your money, you know, because a lot of these experiences are either 45 minutes or 60 minutes, but with setup time cut out of that. So just bear in mind that that is part of what you're paying for. Yeah, I feel like if um, you're going to some kind of a event like a gdc or i don't know i don't know if there's any near vrt but anything kind of like that like techie it's always fun to take a bunch of 
people that you only know from the internet and just do one of these. Like I, I highly recommend it. It's so fun. Cause you, you bond so quickly doing this. You're just yelling and laughing and it's, it's a great time. They're, they're so good. Yeah, and you've got more experience with them than I have, but those have been really, really good. Um, the other thing that I would say about it is just that, um, at like an environment like this, like this business in, in Toronto, they're just they're starting off, and they do like it's a cool business strategy to build grow the business. Like I think it's every Wednesday, it's open season, so you don't have to pay at all. And I didn't even know these kinds of things existed. Um, where they say it's open doors, we bring in a competition, and it's teams of I think it's three v three or four v four in a competitive arena-based shooter and they just have people play for a couple of hours basically but it's pro bono and so i thought i would just mention that because if there's a a local you know vr setup like this and you're like i'm not going to pay 60 quid maybe you can find one of these new startup businesses who's offering something similar i'd never even considered that um but you know look at look look it up um look at your locals and there are a few uh you know up and coming uh, VR arenas. I'm glad they're still a- a- around, alive. You know, post-COVID, I was thinking these things will no longer exist, but they do. Uh, it's a bit of your, you know, cinematic movie experience. But the one thing that struck me was that the owner had never heard of Space Pirate Arena, had never heard of of uh, Spatial Ops, had never heard of these things that are really, really easy to get into, uh, have great tracking, great local Wi-Fi, and customizable levels and level design. And I was like, dude, I'm going to come back, I'll bring some headsets, and I'll show you the power of this thing. Because in this space, we could do something phenomenal, and you don't need to have 11 servers buzzing in the background that you're paying for. It might change your business model, you know? And we don't have that yet. Uh, So I hope that one day that'll come to life. If anyone knows of an existing uh, solution where they are running, you know, quests, which obviously have the battery limit, which uh, can can be a problem, um, and are running that kind of stuff in a in a in a real world shop or whatever? Please let me know. I'd be curious about it because I've only seen these ones that are using more like corporate scale VR streaming off of or having all in one devices. Um, so be interesting to see if those come. Okay, so that's like location based. Any other th- um, experiences that that rattled up in your brains about um, you know location based experiences that you had over the years that are that were really good that stood out to you? Things that you remember? I don't know, but we need to do one like. We do. Yes. Uh, yes. One of these, you know. <laughs> oh, yes. You've just reminded me of something that I didn't write into for today, but I need to mention. Uh, and it is the reason that I'm wearing my Oculus Connect 4 shirt. Connect oh. um, has uh, been confirmed it's happening in September, but it's apparently not a physical event. So sadly, it's going to stick with online only. I think it's, um, I know there's a huge outlay again. I think it's because of Meta trying to save money, penny pension a year that they really need to, to stay um, all right for their shareholders. I still think that if they were to reach out to development studios and teams, that maybe we could do more of a combined Nexus event, right? Let's make um, our own event. That Exactly. I, I think a, a make your own event really needs to happen. In the you can even call it Oculus Connect. <laughs> well, I don't, I, I'm sure the Oculus brand is still owned by them, so I don't know how easily you can drop it around. I'd love it to be called that, but um, F Connect. <laughs> F Connect. I know X. Let's connect. Oh, yes. Let's let's workshop this. F Connect. F X. F X Connect. That's going to be a foreign <laughs> foreign exchange trading <laughs> conference. Why are all these traders here? Um, but yeah, I, I we need it. We need it in our environment and all the game showcases that are. Game showcases don't bring the same thing. So with that said, why don't I tell you a little bit about VRTO? Uh, 
uh, one of our main topics for today. Um, so I went off for two days to VRTO, uh, which is Toronto's uh, best uh, spatial media conference covering all the latest veins of immersive technology. Some of you might not have heard of VRTO before, um, as it's a little smaller than some of the other ones. Um, it was started in 2015 by Karim Maliki Sanchez as a virtual reality meetup group in Toronto. Uh, it was launched then in 2016 as the VRTO Virtual and Augmented Reality World Conference and Expo. The name has since been simplified. It's an international exhibition of professional conference uh, exploring arts, culture, science through immersive technologies. And it's really quite a different flavor of event than anything else I've I've tried. Um, proud to have it in here in way? Toronto. In a good way. In a good way. Um, initially, I was a bit apprehensive when I first showed up to the event last year, thinking it felt a little bit dry or educational yeah. like like oh i'm back in university but um since last year and this year too i've i've learned so it feels less like a gamer event and more like an immersive technology conference and the amount you learn there and that people aren't you know pitching sales and stuff to you is what drew me back into it to invest the time um to go along and i i brought my camera along for the first time in a while because i used to be into photography and i was like ah, i'll snap a few pictures and then i got carried away and i took tons but um yes yes you did uh, adam's <laughs> running gonna run a reel of some of them that's not even that's not that those are only the best uh from the lot so um last year i was most impressed with the forward-facing spotlight on ChatGPT, and I walked away understanding how gaming was going to integrate this technology. It was covered by a dev who's based here in Toronto called Lee Vermeulen. He talked about his trials even in this show uh, with the Vario XR3, that massive high-res you know, headset, which is like top in class, right? But he also showed off, and there's a video for this one, Adam, uh, video two in the list, okay, uh, that gaze does not mean intent. In other words, where you're looking with your eyes is not necessarily what you want to do or select, or in this case, a horrible experiment that he concocted. And we've showcased a few of his uh, projects. This one is where you're using your eyes to draw. Can you imagine Ooh. trying to do that? I have it up pain? now. It looks, it looks, it looks rough. I mean, <laughs> yes. Um, so, so basically, um, it was an experiment to see right what was the boundary of comfort. Um, and also comfort and quality in terms of engagement with eye tracking. And uh, that is one of the headsets that's um, been able to eye track for many months now. Obviously, some other headsets have adopted it more recently. Uh, but definitely, we got the uh, impression uh, from Lee at just how starkly inhuman that was. So last year, Lee's um, chat GPT stuff for me was best of show by far. That's why he's in the, in the, in the thumbnail as well. So... This year, taking the crown and my favorite of the whole event, uh, was a relatively recent acquaintance of mine from the VR scene who pulled off a hilarious and informative rundown on haptic motors and why a maglev train and a haptic motor are similar in nature. And this was uh, Ashley Huffman from on behalf of uh, Titan Haptics. Uh, she self-labeled herself as the Mary Poppins of haptics. I thought that was quite cute. Um... And I skittered off to ChatGPT to learn what we'd imagine that to be. So uh, the Mary Poppins of haptics is a magical and skilled individual who possesses the ability to harness the power of haptics in extraordinary ways. 
Haptics refers to the science and technology of touch feedback, for those who aren't aware, allowing users to perceive sensations through touch, like vibrations or simulated textures. In this fictional world, our character has a magical force feedback lightsaber, similar to Mary Poppins' iconic umbrella, that serves as a conduit for haptic sensations. Uh, the Mary Poppins of haptics uses this enchanted lightsaber to bring touch-based experiences to life for those around them. They create mesmerizing haptic experiences, allowing people to feel the sensation of soft raindrops on a sunny day. The gentle caress of a loved one's touch. Raise my eyes, uh, eyebrows at that one. Or the exhilarating thrill of soaring through the sky, all through the power of haptics. Together with their whimsical personality and caring demeanor, uh, the Mary Poppins of haptics is a captivating character who brings joy, wonder, and a renewed appreciation for the sense of touch in this enchanting fictional universe. And that is Ashley Huffman. And she gave a fantastic speech. I will um, I will cover off uh, kind of four or five key takeaways uh, from this on haptics uh, that I thought just really resounded with me. Number one, and Rowdy can maybe nod to these if he knows them to be true. In fact, in the world of science, uh, cardiac sync. The fact that uh, when given a rhythm, your heart and brain will sync to be in line with that rhythm. I didn't well, know this. Maybe it's part and parcel of why I like haptics and uh, vibrating vests and that type of thing so much. Second. Your brain as well? Yeah, apparently your brain can get into sync. Uh, kind of like the alpha waves okay. or whatever. Yeah. All right, something like that. Yeah. yeah, not that your brain is thumping in your skull. That yeah. would be <laughs> the blood flow Haptic going through brain. the brain. <laughs> yeah, if anyone develops that, let me know. All right. Uh, the next one is a phased uh, laser array, uh, which uh, is mouth haptics. So it can treat the air... Uh, to make it feel like you're kissing somebody by stimulating oh uh, the air in front of your uh, face. Uh, I'm looking at you, Japan, with that one. We know what you're going to do with that. Uh, with tongue or without? <laughs> <laughs> I suppose no tongue. Yeah, yeah. We'll have to... <laughs> God, uh, you're putting so many thoughts in my head here, Rowdy. Um, the next one was uh, D-Box, right? So many of you will probably know it. I've never tried it, but it's one of those things now on my bucket list. Uh, full experience cinema, cinema haptics, right? Where you're in there with a seat. It's a rumble seat and it's got all kinds of things. It can move in uh, multi-dimensions as well. Uh, suggested, for example, for the upcoming Dune 2 movie. That's my current plan as in November when Dune 2 launches to go and see it in a D-Box experience with the wife and see if we like it. Um, the other thing was wearables. So this was really interesting. Concept of like augmented reality glasses or similar or even a vest, right? Uh, where... It, without using sound or audio cues, things that can vibrate to let you know, for example, like a Tesla, like the vehicle when it's getting close to another vehicle, uh, can vibrate to let you know, for example, if you're walking alone at night and there's someone who's getting a bit too close or stalking you from behind, you'd get that little sensation of, hey, danger or warning, you know, just to kind of clue you off without letting them know that you know, if you know what I mean. Um so with all this, I just want to yeah applaud. Uh, Ashley did a great job at uh, a very comedic rundown of haptics. The actual Titan haptic module that they showed was like a little haptic device that has like a little, almost like a bean in a tube and moves it back and forth, vibrates it via uh, magnetic, like a magnetic array, holds it and just shifts it left and right to generate that that vibration. And she showcased a this lightsaber, which could kind of screw apart and dismantle and had a whole ring of these little haptic motors where you could feel the beam, like the beam of the lightsaber grow out. That's and then kind of when you moved it in the air, you could feel the air. It was it was wow. pretty cool. So oh. it, was a, it was the best 
best haptic lightsaber I've ever seen. This is not just a toy or a prop. This is a showcase of what Titan could do. And if you see the redness on the on the handle there, you can see on the video. Those are the, all the little Titan haptic motors. Oh, that's so uh, cool. Which were very convincing. Oh, I hope she oh. brings it to another event. I want to like, can you? did you bring the lightsaber? I want to try the lightsaber, please. <laughs> <laughs> it could fit in her purse. I was like, wow. We went out for like uh, you know, pizza afterwards and she just screwed it apart. I was like, did that all fit? Does it like... <laughs> Shorten up. It's like three pieces. It's, oh, okay. I was so gonna cool. ask. Okay, so it's like three separate things. Okay, interesting. Totally something a Star Wars nerd would uh, would purchase. <laughs> and she talked about some stats where there's like a million of these like sold every year to Star Wars fans. The plastic, you know, the shitty ones. Oh, okay. Um, so I think Titan maybe will uh, get into manufacturing their own uh, lightsabers because that's a market they could jump up. Hmm? Could be uh, could that's be breadwinner for them. And uh, if you'd like to inundate yourself with haptic news, please check out uh, Ashley's podcast over at thehapticsclub.com. And I can tell you this much, if Ash is ever turned into a Mortal Kombat character, I think her finisher will include uppercutting the microphone, which she did several times during her talk. It was very funny. Very funny. I love Um, her so much. She's so so great. Yeah, you just interviewed her, I think, on uh, on your yeah. other podcast, didn't you? I need but to watch she, that. I don't know. She's just she's so fun. So I'm I, I um, do they post these the talks online anywhere like on YouTube or do you have to get a special access paid? Thing? I think at some point they do. I've not checked them out in the past. Uh, I'll find out and let you know. Thank um, you. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, and if uh, if the rest of you remind me on the next podcast, I'll let you know, too. <laughs> um, there were two other really standout things that happened uh, at VRTO. And then I've got a couple of, again, like quick bullet points just to share from the event as a little like two days compressed into uh, 10 minutes. So the second thing that stood out to me was just the nature of the show. This show, unlike any other show I've been to, was the best cross section I've ever seen at an event. Every culture, race, creed, color, interest was there. And it was like, it was done in such a wonderful way. Like I was representing, I was the one sole VR creator dude, right? That was me. I was in my seat. And it felt like every other person there was like cherry picked to be an individual in a seat. And it was wonderful uh, to see that because I felt like I'd stepped into a room where I was like 10 years in the future. And that was great. And then... The thing that really struck me, because I have no idea uh, where Karim uh, plucked these wonderful women from, um, but there were five uh, standout black creators who were reframing stories on behalf of Scale Up, which is an incubator helping creators to get the spotlight they deserve in this field. And I'm going to name their names because they've got beautiful names, but they were awesome individuals to just stand in the presence of. And sometimes you get a feeling for somebody and you're like, wow. Uh, So it was uh, Tendasai Cromwell. Nikki, Nico Taylor, um, Queen Kokoyi, uh, Kai Little White, and Debbie Deer. Um, but rarely am I in the presence of someone where you like feel their power, but that's totally what I felt with these women. I felt small in, in, in the audience actually listening to their stories and how much they'd pushed through and what they'd done for VR and just honestly how much experience and the challenge particularly that AI now is bringing, right? based on its bias and its influence and the direction we need to carry certain stories. Um, having grown up in the Caribbean, you know, there were things that they were talking about bringing to VR that I totally understood, like, um, you know, black culture brought through their strong voices, not through the voices of somebody else. And uh, that's absolutely who I'd want to hear it from. So that was my kind of second place award, if you want to call it. 
uh, for VRTO um, and in general, just a big applause for uh, the VRTO team for bringing such a cornucopia of people together. Um, if I came to the third, you know, to the event a third time again, that is the number one thing that would bring me because I love seeing it. You learn stuff, you see stuff, you hear things, you get to greet and meet people who you had no chance of meeting uh, through another walk of life. And so really appreciated that. Um, but yeah, those women watch out for them because they're all killers. Uh, they're going to, they're going to do great things in VR, I'm sure. Um, and then third place for me, and I love comedy and humor and, uh, acting and stage presence and all this. Well, there was a VR performers live summit, uh, kind of like improv on stage, uh, talents, uh, on stage were Witten Frank, Nicole Rigo, Mandy Cornales, Irie Tarr, uh, Liam Carey and Jake Runicles. Uh, who took the stage with a really buoyant improv session on the day. They even took uh, the the metamovie.com's uh, still-running Alien Rescue, uh, which is a, a kind of a first-person Neos VR experience, which we should definitely do, the four of us uh, from the show. Um, and tickets aren't bad. They're like 33 bucks for a hero seat, $12 for like a bystander. Um, and they did this live for us you know, on stage and they were representing various fruits as objects and experiencing them. But when you see a stage actor who's performing, you know, for 15, 20 years on stage and they just get thrown in it, the way that they perform and the, um, the comedy yeah. that just comes out is like, it's great. It's like going to see a live, live theater show, but they're doing it on the spot. And I, I always appreciate that talent and what they bring. Like, um, you'll remember Rowdy when we did it with, um, Mike and Nathy, the Dr. Crumb experience. Yeah, that, that was had. amazing. Yeah. So the, the the doctor himself, for example, that's Ari Tar. He's here in Toronto. Um, so he was there and uh, love that guy. He's, he's really, really cool. So if you ever get a chance to go to VRTO, these are kinds of some of the fruits of uh, Karim and team's labor that you can pull. And then I just had a couple of bullet points to kind of take away from from all of that just to share with you. Uh, these are things that are from other people because there were about 30 different presentations. I got about three quarters of them, I'd say, through. So the first one was the concept of meta traversal. Uh, interoperability of VR worlds. I'd never really thought about this. I guess it's something that I wanted early on in VR and subsequently thought it not possible. So what, you know, why can't I walk from Rec Room into VR chat, you know, into alt space, you know, into the next, into the next one. Um, and and they, they, they talked about a really interesting concept here with a metaphor. They said, well, you don't really want, I think Rowdy does, but you don't really want a VR hot dog walking in on your work meeting. Um, so you got to think about how do elements like that transition. So, you know, Rowdy can be a hot dog on the weekend, but when he's, you know, going to do so. I'm a hot dog in the meeting. <laughs> <laughs> you are the hot dog. He is the hot dog. Oh, man. <laughs> walking in on other people's <laughs> meetings. <laughs> That's great. That's great. <laughs> I want Rowdy to walk in on my meetings. Um, so that was the first one. The second one, which I think we've all felt and been through over the last couple of years, is that the pandemic, you know, really did cause us to eat our own dog food. Um, I remember the the pace of change. Rowdy used to talk about this quite a bit as well, about how, you know, VR wasn't ready in time uh, for um, us to actually use it as a productivity mechanism uh, for work, mm. for play. People ended up leveraging Zoom, um, which means, you know, the medium that we have, you know, cherished over the years it's just not ready yet. It's just not quite ready yet. But that idea of dog fooding in tech where, you know, you get to eat, <laughs> you, you made it, you better eat it now. Um, and we did. And I, I wouldn't say it was successful, at least not from my seat. I don't know. How did, how did you f guys feel the uh, pandemic went for VR and AR? Any applications well, I mean, that 
stood out I as... I didn't eat dog food, but, uh, <laughs> you know... <laughs> I don't know, like, I, I'm, I've always been the kind of guy, like... Um, I've never been the really like going out kind of guy like yeah. uh, that much. Like I do like doing like my sports a little bit, going to a bar with some friends, but that's kind of it. Like I'm not, I'm not the one who's going clubbing or like going like crazy events and stuff like that. I like to be on my own. And in a way, and I, I had it with my, my wife about that as well. It's like, there are aspects of that period that I kind of miss where, you know, like <laughs> the highlight of your day was like, going out for a walk, you know? Yeah, little and things. It, it was the simplicity of that kind of stuff mm. that I kind of liked in a way. Um, but of course, I mean, it wasn't a fun period. I wouldn't say like it was like, you know, there's a, you know, the, the limitations of you having not being able to go to a restaurant or the limitation of not going out later at night because we even had an evening curfew mm, in yes. Montreal. So, uh but yeah, I mean, there's like it was a it was a, a shitty situation, but at least it was temporary. And I think that the period that it was, um, for some people maybe mentally that is very hard. But for me, sometimes that can be healthy, in a, in a weird way. You know, like spend some time with yourself or with with your wife only, or like only your family. In a way, for for me at least personally, I think that is sometimes healthy. Mm. Yeah. And you'd have to make an excuse for why you're not going out because nobody can go out. So it's just kind of it feels yeah, better, exactly. too. It's like it's just how it is. I don't have to make an excuse. <laughs> the idea to refocus is also something, Rowdy, that I, I, I completely agree with. Like even just this last week, I've really been trying to be not in my place out and about do as much as I physically can do. Mm. Sun, sun, sun allowing, sun permitting. <laughs> <laughs> I do have a tube of sunscreen now. I've learned my lesson, I hope. Um <laughs> And and it's like being able to recalibrate with yourself, even your own internal thoughts sometimes, like you, even if it just takes a couple of days or a couple of weeks or whatever it is. But like being able to recalibrate is something I think everyone should do. It's kind of like fasting, but a mental fast. Right. Or mm. even and you can even do that, as you said, with like going out and about and all that. And I'm I'm quite an, like um uh, boisterous out and about person. Like I want to go out and I want to meet people and all that kind of thing. So it's nice that I now have that option. And so I leap at the option to do it or organize events or do that of kind of thing. But Scotland for me was not that Scotland for me was like no, no in-person friendships, you know, it was like all pretty much internet related. So I focused in on stream and that community and that audience and environment. So it was good. Any takeaways, Adam, then from, um, uh, things that, you know, during the, whether VR related or not, you know, during, during lockdown that, uh, kind of you had as takeaways things you miss about that or I mean things like, you're glad we got back for me that was when I really was going super hardcore into content creation because I was like okay you know I, I've got more time to be able to do that now and then it's you know led to so many wonderful things like eventually working for live and being here with you guys but I'm kind of like rowdy where I'm more introverted so I thought of VR as just uh another alternative like I never thought of it as oh this is going to be a replacement for but it's like, okay, if I don't want to put on pants, but still be kind of social, like I could, I could do that. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it's just, I don't know. It, um, like I don't really have any local friends too. like, you yeah. know, like you yeah. said, Zim, they're all online. So, and I do like yeah. being able to see them in person and at events and have a real drink with them and not get drunk in my headset. Cause that sounds a little, <laughs> I don't know, a bit much, but so I like <laughs> both. I think it's a good balance. I do like socializing but um i don't know 
I, I like having a good, a good mix of going out to events. That's not every day. So that's perfect for me. Um, but also VR, if there's little things where I, I do yeah. feel like I need social interaction, that's good yeah. enough for me. It's, it's good enough. You know, I don't need, it's good. <laughs> <laughs> Ew, people. and on that i'll give you just a couple more things so uh blair from lofi said that uh ai you know the new ability to use chat gpt and stuff like that uh does a really good job of creating a bad first draft you know um and that you kind of you create the bad first draft that kind of gets you in the right direction and then kind of saw it down from there. Uh, Kiram, who's the event coordinator, also said you had this kind of multifaceted approach to, and these were terms I hadn't learned before, but maybe um, Rowdy knows this like the back of his hand, zero shot, single shot, and multi-shot drafting. So mm-hmm. zero shot being you can say, right, island scene, enter, give me what you want. And the idea that these platforms each have kind of in their default configuration, some bias, right? But with the right configuration and, you know, being able to say, okay, island scene in a ring of fire or, you know, in the spirit of Monet or, you know, like adding different configurable elements to that uh, through a multi-shot draft, you can lead to more human-centric output. Like, what did I want to see in my dream state? Well, here it is, output from uh, from the tool. So that's something you're familiar with then, Rowdy? You've heard those yeah, terms before? Yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, the other thing I heard when we got a, a bit of a, and this is the thing, you, you, you get these, um, I, I explained it as veins. You get different veins of VR that you never touched before. We had a, a VR lawyer show up and he said something that will stick with me now for probably the rest of my life. He said, success breeds litigation. Uh, so we got to hear about being focused on the VR frontier and how not only in the AI context, but in the context of creation in VR that we have, um, just brand new legal landscapes that we need to traverse, right? And companies are facing these problems. And so when you have someone talk you through all these different scenarios, you're like, oh, my mind just opened and I never understood this before. Um, so that was that was fun. And I like that Mike just jumped in chat and called you Gandalf the Grey, Rowdy, <laughs> which I think is very fitting. Yeah, and soon I'll be Gandalf the White. This keeps on happening, you know? <laughs> <laughs> look good on you. You'll finally be able to join ABBA then after that. Yeah, you know? exactly. Um, so with that, the other thing that I heard at this place was brain-computer interfaces, BCI. And I saw the most traumatizing video. I'm sorry I don't have it, but I will explain what it Thank is. You. By Synchron Jugular Entry, which is a competitor to Neuralink. So instead of cutting into your skull, <laughs> easy, they just poke into your jugular vein and send a probe up into the center of your cortex, in the center of your brain. And I love how uncomfortable Adam looks because it's exactly how I felt when I saw this thing. Anything Can you about jugglers and veins and stuff, I just don't like it. Oh my God, why? Why would you do this? They're all wet on the inside, right? <laughs> and you know what they call it, Rowdy? They call it non-invasive. Uh, <laughs> well, that's not correct, though. Like, it is, it Anytime is, it you go subdermal. Tech, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. But it it's like, okay, great. I don't want a little chunk carved out of my brain. Just go ahead and stab me in the jugular. You know what? When when old Zim was starting off on his career path and he wasn't sure what job he was going to end up taking, one of the things I did was I was a hospital porter. And one of the things I did in my career, when you know when you're like a dumb intern, um, I came up to a dude who uh, was losing blood like crazy and I gave him the wrong blood bag, which was like a 10 minute jog around the hospital and back. And they're like, oh God. they're like, you idiot. He's going to bleed out. You have to go get the right blood type. And so I've been there and that's a very stressful position. But one thing I've seen is when 
when the jugular erupts based on pressure, which it can during surgery and things, man, it goes everywhere. Like this doctor came over, like it was a horror film covered in blood, like head to toe. Oh, <laughs> it was bad. Yeah. And so anyway, jugular entry. No, thank you. But, but, but I thought you'd like to have that so, in your dreams. Like, I mean, I, I am hoping they're calling this device the juggernaut. I think that would be a great <laughs> name for it. But, but afterwards, like, what, <sighs> once, I mean, you can't follow, like, you still need to go into the brain somewhere, right? Because yeah, but it goes, so the jugular goes up and it does, they showed it, that it connects into the, the main part of the brain. I think it goes up through the stem or the side of the stem and then down the center of the cor- central cortex. And that's where they would then connect with receptors uh, to be able to make the BCI interface but with your They brain. need to go out of the jugular then in order to connect to, you know, the gray matter. From or... what I saw in the video, yes. Um, it's not staying in channel. It's not staying in channel and using kind of electronics. It, it was going through the Right, so it's not like a, a magnetic device then. It's then going to try and use an electrical field or something like that. It's actually going in the brain then. In the brain, yeah. Mm. Okay. Anyway, this is all making me feel terrible. <laughs> so Thank you going. for not having the video. I don't know why you apologized, but I'm very grateful. <laughs> I'm very interested in it right now. I was trying to hold my lunch down when I was watching it. But yeah, that was that was neat. So that's Synchron, if you want to look it up. S-Y-N-C-H-R-O-N. You've gone for Juggernaut. And that's the, jug- <laughs> the jugular entry. The second thing, which I thought was neat, and I think we may have covered here, was about image reconstruction via mind eye. Maybe you covered this, Rowdy, before, but mind eye uh, allowing, um, based upon, again, the, I think it was, it's not an electrocephalogram, what's it called? What's the um, EEG? EEG? Yeah, so when e- taking EEG signals, but being able to read brain waves reduce the uh, signal-to-noise ratio as much as possible because it's still a very noisy image, and then reconstruct the image. So, for example, Adam's imagining a furry grizzly bear, and the thing can... It, it will reconstruct furry grizzly bear based off the signals in her brain, oh, the library of that. what it understands, and it's it's really close. Again, I'm sorry I don't have a picture of it, um, but it's like... Yeah, it's it was it was very convincing and also at the same time a little bit scary about the boundaries of if you're taking my data, uh, you can basically read my mind. Black uh, mirror. And then we just black mirror straight away. Brainwaves so, to image. That's the next step, right? <laughs> exactly. The question I have again is that did they test that like is that within individual or is that like between individuals? Because I would I would assume that if they if they um that they would, for for example, first show people images, and then they would reconstruct those brain waves, record those brain waves, train the algorithm, and then have those people think about those images again, and then see if they could match those brain waves. I don't think it's is it actually at the point where they can like take like brain waves of any single person, regardless of whether they've seen the images that they've shown. Because that that would good I, I think I don't think that they're yet. Right? I don't remember. I feel I'm gonna go on my gut and say that it was based upon image looks at so it's been trained. It's a trained model, um, but image the image has not been uh, put into the database. It's not reading from a database or anything like that trying to match. It's using AI to generate an image based upon what the person is thinking and off the brain waves. So I don't know if that answers your question. The, is, is the is the person in the database? That's basically what I'm asking. Like, is like what the person the, 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 the algorithm the trained waves. on that specific person? Ah, yes, it was individual specific, I believe. Okay, right. Yeah, it had yeah. to be trained to the individual. It wasn't a generic model you could plug anyone into, is what I yeah, understood. Yeah. yeah. Okay. 
That would so, make sense. Yeah. yeah, and I think, like you said, we're not there yet, but it's painting a road. This is what I always get from VRTO is, what's the road ahead? That's that's the answer I always <laughs> kind of go for, and it sometimes it scares me, I'll be honest. Um, and I won't go into too much more detail. There's three or four little bullet points here. Uh, the next person who was speaking was Lana Lux, who's a Twitch dev, um, who was warning about negative self-talk when constructing, like building a game or an app, right? And to kind of focus on finishing something, but try not to dissuade yourself basically from that. Uh, as in today's modern era, like with Twitter, um, you know, oftentimes we hide all the hard work. So you put in multiple years of hard work and all you get to see is the one thing. I can remember from this year, I mean, I, I personally put about eight months of elapsed time trying to work our, you know, new trailer along with the artist and all of our, all of our talent and all that. And then it comes out and it's like, man, we got lots of people you know, th- up, thumbing up the uh, the intro. And then you get your like 30 seconds of fame, right? <laughs> like of like, oh, that, that was successful. And um, I've certainly felt that along, you know, my career in various junctures, but it is very much the iceberg and the tip of the iceberg that you see and all the work that went behind it. And that's why, again, I think engineers are uh, the amazing ones who get to craft all of this stuff. So keep at it. Um, do try to finish your projects. Um, and I'm not just speaking uh, strictly to Lee here, who's been tinkering all year with AR uh, projects, because I like the small, unfinished stuff, too. Uh, that 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 belongs on Reddit for sure. Uh, so with that, um, Lana had heralded VR as an empathy machine, and I agree wholeheartedly with that sentiment. Uh, other thing that we learned from a guy who was telling us about metrics, how metrics are being analyzed, not at the platform level, but outside in and how they were measuring, really kind of an interesting talk, but how VR has such higher stakes than mobile or PC. So in other words, if I piss you off due to subpar quality, or I make you sick, I could send you as a user off for weeks, months, or years even, if I get it wrong. Whereas in a mobile game, you'll just be like, affect that, and tomorrow you're back, you know, playing a different one. Um, and and they were talking about how metrics matter and what they should collect and the boundaries of what should be collected and a whole host of different things. So a uh, very interesting part on that. Could go to a convention probably about just that. Two other things that I saw there. One was web-based 3D worlds like the mall. Now, how earlier I was talking about what would happen if we had a I'll call it the soulless metaverse with ads everywhere. Uh, there's a project coming and <laughs> apologies to the guy who, who gave the introduction because he's a great salesman and he showed it off great. But what I saw was looked like, you know, Janus VR from uh, years and years ago. Uh, lots of billboards and signs, almost like a Times Square with brands everywhere. But it's like, I don't know where that belongs. I don't know where that fits. I mean, maybe at some point with people who who have an interest in digital real estate and they want to own a property, maybe it'll exist in a game setting, like a Grand Grand Theft Auto, you know, where you can buy some advertising in the virtual world or something like that. Or maybe it's specific to you. So Adam types in a, a code and generates her own universe and goes in and the branding is specific to her. And it's kind of like that. Um, but it did it gave me nightmares a little bit seeing that creation. And that's why I was glad that that Redditor is creating something that feels a little bit more artsy. Um, one thing that does exist, if anyone wants to play with it, really, really cool thing um, by Blockade Labs. Uh, their Skybox engine allows you to type in a couple of words and immediately generate a dome projection generative 3D um, Skybox. So, you know, like in your quest when you load in and you've got that world around you, you now can load custom worlds, which means, put the two together, 
you've got this, um, I think they're a UK-based company, certainly a UK-based speaker who came out. Um, but you can literally type in, just like you would for ChatGPT, it will create you a world, and then you can show it. And actually, Adam, if you want to pull that is website that, up, you'd be able. Is that the same one that uses like mid-journey? Like you can put in a mid-journey image and it'll make a skybox out of it? Because I know there's like a couple of different stuff like this now. What was it called? Yours it called is, again? It may be. This is uh, Blockade Labs, one word. So B-L-O-C-K-A-D-E, Blockade Labs. And it's there on their website. It's Skybox. <laughs> I can find it. But they yeah. might they might own that module where you can use Midjourney to create. I believe they do. They they spoke about something like that in terms of generation, and it looked like Midjourney. So I assume that is one and the same. Oh my God! Click all the boxes. Okay, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of uh, pop-ups to acknowledge. Soul. Cookies, everything. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> go on. <laughs> Type that in. Type that in. Type in soul your cell soul cookies oh, and I let's see it. what it comes up with on the podcast. I'm curious your uh, once you uh, once you get through all the pop ups. And with that, I'll talk about one more thing that I mentioned uh, while Adam's getting that getting that prompt entered. Uh, we got to see uh, Dr. Tom Furness talk about virtual world society, which I had not seen before. Uh, but this guy is there since like very early days in um, I think it was a military setting he came from. Uh, about very early like VR and how, you know, VR was here before in a different setting and he spoke in such depth and with such detail about where it was and where he wants it kind of to lead us to. And it was a very positive outlook as to where it's going. It wasn't in any way dystopian. Uh, So for someone who's been, you know, working with this technology for around about 60 years, it was great to see someone who uh, has been around the block a few times and, you know, seen it done before, high-res displays, haptics, all this stuff, right, in, in in bulk your old school electronics, and that was neat to see. So Virtual World Society is something that you can participate and be a part of. If that interests you, uh, go ahead and look them up. Uh, how did it turn out, uh, Adam? I, I think I need to be a paid member to generate depth. So it gave me like a like a generic mid-journey prompt, but in order to actually generate depth, like click the depth toggle, I get the upgrade now. <laughs> so For, but idea. even if you forget even if you forget depth it should be able to generate the the thing that you can kind of spin around uh, I did I that a little bit earlier seem to be able to spin it oh. maybe it's just this particular prompt it doesn't like like that's all right we see a moon anyway and some neon stuff what was your what was your input sell your soul <laughs> okay yeah. works really well yeah I like it yeah that's why that go. moon has that nice shine to it then yeah all right well, something to play with. Tinker something with to play with for yeah. people. Yeah, that sounds good. So that was Blockade Labs Skybox Engine. Um, so yeah, finally, I just wanted to applaud the VRTO team. Uh, this is very much not. This is not a mega corporation uh, setup. It is very much like family run, and what they are able to pull off is incredible. Um, the place that we were as well, the OCAD um, breakout space, was an awesome scenario for for this. And you've seen it in some of the photos, I assume. Uh, but definitely the, the the team continued to harvest and build this community. Um, it just really looks and breathes as to like what is the future that's ahead of us. So thanks a lot to the VRTO team uh, for letting me come along. I appreciate that and uh, look forward to next year's next year's event. Nice. Um, yeah, so that was a nice cross section of foresight leading thinkers, uh, not, not 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 advertisers and all that, but really a concert of thought. Uh, with that, I did want to tell you about, a single demo that I saw, I didn't get to see many because we were just in the sessions for, for the two days pretty much flat out. 
Uh, but one thing I got to demo, which is really neat, and I thought I'd talk to you both about it, and if you get a chance, do this yourselves, uh, the Loompad 2, uh, spelled L-U-M-E, uh, by Leia Inc., is a 3D tablet where you don't need glasses or anything to see the effect. So similar, do you remember the, um, the this is a poor comparison, but I'll give it anyway. The Nintendo, not Nintendo DS, but the 3DS, Nintendo yeah, 3DS. I had one. Right? Where it had that kind of quite limited field of view 3D pop-up, and it was kind of low res, but it was neat. You didn't need glasses for it. So you had one anyway, Adam, and what it, did you like to do with that? What was for, fun? You know what's weird is a lot of people complained about the 3D aspect of it, though, but I didn't have an issue with it. So some people, I guess they got headaches. I don't know why that mm. was, but I, I enjoyed Pussies. it. <laughs> Whenever there was a game that supported it, I turned it on. I'm like, you know, I paid money for this to have this feature, I guess. I might as well use it. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, I thought it was cool. I enjoyed it. Yeah. So, um, and this is like, we've, I think we've slid, like we slid into 3D as like TV, cinema, and then we slid out of it. And we're like, okay, 3D is not ready yet, or we're not convinced. Um, and so one of the things that's really, really cool about this is it's an AI supported tablet and i'll just give you kind of my first impressions i got about an eight to ten minute demo with the thing um in the hand it looks like a sleek like apple or android tablet just like black tome um it's 12.4 inch display so it's not small i would call it large without being oversized it certainly won't fit in a pocket um it uses face tracking as well along with its ai algorithms to know the positions of your eyes so i asked for example if you have a face covering and glasses will it still work and the answer is, if you've got a combination of things, it, it breaks it, right? So it needs to either, like, see your eyes or see your mouth, that type of thing. So you can have a face covering, and it'll track, no problem. You can have glasses, no problem. But if you have a combination of things, like a baseball hat and glasses, sunglasses on or something, that can break the effect, uh, because then the AI face tracking can't, can't, can't grab your eyes. Um, it, this also comes with uh, some decent speakers, so it's got a quad speaker configuration and, and with Dolby Atmos. Uh, it can capture images in 3D or video, both from the back, the rear-facing and forward-facing cameras, what we're now accustomed to with our phones. The viewing angle for the 2D is um, very good. It was like 180 degrees, and the 3D is way better than I was expecting. Um, honestly, even when I was a bystander standing back a ways, you could tell there was a 3D pronounced effect even when you weren't the main user, which was interesting. Um, so it's about 90 degrees. They quote 86 for that. It's the 16 by 10 display. That's my personal favorite. I love 16 to 10 displays. They give you that extra depth for, I don't know, looking at a document, viewing a website. So it's a 12, sorry, 2560 by 1600 IPS LCD color panel, 300 nits for 3D content, 16 megapixel stereo camera. Uh, it captures video at 30 FPS and it's got we were talking about haptics earlier. It's got haptics, dual X-axis linear motors. So similar to the ones we were talking about when we were touching on Titan haptics. Uh, it's got a fingerprint sensor, fast charging, storage extension via SD card, but it's got 128 gigabytes of flash storage in there already. Eight gigabytes of LPDDR5 RAM. I am not up on my RAMs. Uh, huge battery. It's almost got 10,000 milliamp hours. It's got 9270 milliamp hours in there. It's running off of a Qualcomm Cairo 680, which is a, an octa-core CPU, and the Snapdragon 888 at 2.8 gigahertz. So that's a lot of words to say this thing is modern tech. And if there's a device that I've held in my hands before, it really does feel, and they're not paying me to say this, but it does feel like a piece of the future. 
Um, the fact that there are no glasses needed, it's premium look and feel, and you can instantly switch, this is the magic part, between 2D and 3D, and you don't just need 3D content, it can kind of take your existing pictures and make them 3D. It'll determine, okay, that's a person, mm -hmm. and that person is this far away from the background, and you can swap between 2D and 3D effects, um, and you can do that for video as well. It can take a video, and it'll, it does a little, um, highlight of showing you like how much depth it's picking up, which is really, really neat. One of the other things that's really cool about it is it can integrate with stable diffusion and do 3D image generation. So, you know, you like messing around, mucking around with mid-journey. And this is probably where there's a video that I had with this, Adam. I don't know if you showed it already, yeah. but... I have up, um, guide... PD managed to get his hands on, uh, it's always been showing his video and he meant, you know, and he mentions the pictures and stuff and it's just super cool. But yeah, I'll bring up the... Yeah, it's like, this is a really convincing piece of tech. And honestly, if I, if I didn't have as many kids as I did, I'd own one of these <laughs> because... Price point is at $1,099. That's US dollars. Okay, so for me in Canadian, it's probably about $1,500. Um, in pounds, I'm going to guess it's about the same, um, you know, how things go that way. Maybe 800 quid. I don't know. I, did, I, I couldn't find the, the UK price. Um, but I would contrast it to like a modern iPad with, you know, double the storage, 256 gig, gigs of RAM, Wi-Fi and cellular for $999. So it's not too far off the price point if you were going for a fully loaded iPad. And it's got the ability to convert existing video or images. It's got the ability to, you know, and it can be done there on the fly. It's, it's processing time is very quick. Uh, so you take kind of 3D video processes for maybe felt like five, maybe 10 seconds. And that's ready to watch. Um, and it can do that even with existing films and stuff like that. So really neat tech. I don't know that I have an, an immediate application for it, but it's absolutely... The LoomPad 2 is the kind of gadget that I want to play with for like weeks on end. Um, absolutely. It really feels good. So this one's come out of left field for me. Um, it was shown to me by uh, one of the, the big names in VR, VR Nima, who showed it off to me on the floor. So thanks for the uh, the quick demo. Appreciate it, Nima. And um, yeah, that's LoomPad Loom Pad 2. You guys have any... Uh, oh, one thing I was going to say, because Rowdy, this is where if you were to ask me, hey, Zim, what would you be using this for? I would lay it out and I would use it for video calls because remember we were talking about something that MKBHD had looked at a, a little while back. Google yeah. Star, was it Starlink? No, Star. Light? Can't remember. Star something. And it gives you that stereo depth of the person you're speaking with. Like for me, Zoom calls being flat. And you talked about this in one of your science episodes. Um, Starline. That does something. Starline. Google Starline. Thank you. So this is like a really inexpensive version of Starline in that you've got the depth. And for me, like, why do I go into VR to like play golf or something with a family member? It's because I've got that like spatial awareness, like we're standing at a human distance apart and I'm looking at another human, even if it's through, you know, those Zuckerberg's yeah. metaverse eyes. Um, I still appreciate that. And that's something much better than what Zoom does to you. And it feels more human. This thing can do that. Uh, about with your with your video calls which is that's why i would buy it honestly for, for i would want like a hologram like you know like speaking to my mom <laughs> your own princess leia they that's made what you're something like that yeah. at ces it was kind of like yeah what was it the shape of a head or something and so then that head would like appear as with whatever person was talking on the phone but pd's actually mm -hmm. watching us in 3d from his uh luma pad so ooh, i'm in, I'm coming out I'm of in 3d no. <laughs> <laughs> what do people do when they know that they're in 3d i don't i don't know <laughs> 
hide their big cool. nose. That's what they do, Adam. No. <laughs> I, I want an yeah. excuse to get one. I I mean, it's a cool tech and I want one, but I don't, I don't know. It, like, what? I would, I would never have considered buying this if you advertised it to me. Having seen it, I want one now. It's <laughs> like, it's kind of the opposite of what I have with Steam Deck. Steam Deck, I played with it and I was like, oh, I now I get it. And now I get why everyone, like loads of people love it. And I'm like, but it's just, it feeds a need that maybe I don't have in my life. I want to have that need, but I don't need a device that I can lie in bed and play games with for two hours. Um, so this, however, feels like something that could radically change how I work every single day doing Zoom calls and see people and then it's interpreting. They don't have to send me any additional data. They don't need one of these tablets. I just have this tablet and... They don't know it, but I'm looking at them in 3D. <laughs> hey, Rowdy, put on a bit of weight. Oh, I can tell. You know, so. There you Make go. it look thinner if you go like this. You just turn the tablet. <laughs> Jeez, thanks, guys. You're welcome. <laughs> but yeah, so for all the stuff that it's backing, uh, that's really good. I, I, I looked around and I couldn't see it on places like Amazon. So it looks like you just buy it off of their main site. Ships out of the U.S., I believe. Uh, and there you go. That is the LoomPad 2. So that was quite a cool, cool thing. Um, all right, let's. Uh, this week's releases are going to be curated, a curated selection of desserts from Chef Rowdy and his VR kitchen. And with that, away you go, Chef Rowdy. All right, all right. Yeah, I, I picked out a couple of things that I thought were interesting. Uh, the first one is called U-Boat: The Silent Wolf VR, which is coming to Quest Two and also. At some point, at least, on Steam, on Quest 2 is releasing August 3rd. Um, but on Steam, there has not been really a, a release date yet that I could at least see. Maybe it's the same day. Maybe it is not. Maybe it is later. I have no idea. It's it's available for them for €17.99, €17.99 USD or €13.49 British pounds. And the description goes as follows. So immerse yourself in the epic world of U-Boat the Silent Wolf. And take on the role of a commander of a legendary World War II submarine. Experience an incredible story in the single-player story campaign or lead a group of, of four friends in the cooperative mode. Together, hmm. track down enemies to achieve success on the maritime battlefield and demonstrate the vessel's power. Engage in thrilling battles with rival ves vessels. Keep a vigilant eye through the periscope. Set up ambushes. And watch out for enemy aircrafts. Like, oh, like, I love the, the bell now, like, going all the way. Yes. So feel the true essence of being on board of a submarine. Encounter the hardship and dangers that crew had to confront during the monumental global uh. conflict. So I think the key takeaway here is that it's single player, it's multiplayer, and it is co-op, which I think is pretty unique in, a, in, the, in the VR yeah. game. I, uh, I, I know Nathan and I played this, like, VR submarine, like Iron I mean, Wolf it went horribly, VR? yeah, it went horribly wrong. Like we, yeah, we we died multiple times. I I think that I think we sunk so many ships in that one. Even this though we for, were submarines, it was. Horrible. This is clearly for everybody who wants who liked uh, that old Sean Connery film, The Hunt for the Red October, from yeah. like back in the eighties or something. But yeah, I still want to do this. Like literally, Iron Wolf VR has been on my um my list of to do for about six years now i keep every steam sale getting pinged but i'm like i'd like to do i just remember experience. us like trying to get into the torpedo chamber to see if we could actually fire each other <laughs> off but i don't think that worked you wanted to Dang. load nathy into the torpedo too yeah of course <laughs> why not i mean i'd be scared that. if they shoot an nathy at me <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> anyway 
Next up, um, it's it's an oldie but a goldie. Uh, I like to say it's on Steam. You know, there's a sale going on right now. And that is uh, Half Life Alex. Half Life Alex oh. is currently sixty six percent off, um, which I think is its best price yet. It's a uh, twenty. 20.05 euros, 20.39 USD, and 16.99 pounds. So 16 great British pounds. Uh, oh, great. Best VR game to date, probably. Uh, I, th- I don't think, I don't think for me at least there's been a single game to top that one. So if there is any VR enthusiast that hasn't experienced this one yet, uh, I mean, for this price, uh, 16 quid, 17 Steel. quid. Yeah, and also I think it's also a good thing if you, if Half Life Alex, as it's presented, wasn't for you, look at mods, right? Because you oh, have things yeah. like Gunman contracts, and there's a bunch of different mods that you know change the game up quite a bit. So there you go. Yeah, and then uh, next one that I had on the list was uh, Phantom Matrix, uh, that has already released on Steam. Um, it's a bit of a weird one. Not, I mean, I, I picked it up because. I thought the description looked funny. Uh, that's the main reason why. So uh, it's currently 10% off again because of the sale. So it's only 11, 50, uh, 11 euros 51 cents mm-hmm. or 11.69 USD and 9.89 Great British pounds. Um, the, it's kind of annoying to have to say because it's like 10% of the price, but every time with the conversions that gets like <laughs> I get so many cents now. <laughs> Anyway, Phantom Matrix is a theatrical, physics-based stealth puzzle VR game. And now, and now comes the funny part. Like I read this and I was like, what's going on here? Uh, your game has been robbed. <laughs> your mission is to seek the truth after all mankind has been possessed. Armed with your wits and the game power, knocking hats off employees' hats. It's time to save your game and friends. Do you need to be on drugs have, to play this game? I have no idea what this is. So wait, is it a multiplayer game? Uh, no, I don't single think so. Player. And I you're knocking the hats player. off of your... It says knocking hats off employees' hats. And like employees' apostrophe S hat. So much going knocking on in the trailer. Knocking hats off employees' hat. I'm trying to figure out what's going on. <laughs> it's like, a free well, demo knocking... that is available as well. Yeah, okay. I can see the you're hats. Knocking, I, I, think, I think it's like... The way, I mean, the way that I've seen it, at least, is that you need to figure out a way to knock the hat off, you know, that kind of character. Uh, so it's like this, like, puzzle, physics-based kind of thing. This is that kind of game that <laughs> when you go outside into the normal world after this, you're going to be looking at people a different way. You're going to be looking at hats on the street and be like, how do I... What do I throw at uh, you? This is such an odd phantom it's matrix. so weird. That's such why I picked an, it up. Yeah, yeah. interesting, though. Congratulations. <laughs> Yeah, that was it. I mean, I got some some real gems still coming. Another one here. Um, House Flipper VR. Oh, God. We know that one, right? Uh, We already talked about it before. It's already been on Steam for, I don't know, God knows how long. But it's now coming to PSVR. There's been a lot of mixed reports about it. Um, The description goes as follows. Virtual makeovers were never more real. Thanks to VR technology, you will be able to single-handedly take care of ruined properties gaining your clients' appreciation and satisfaction from a job. Well done. Put on your goggles, take a firm grip on the controllers, and become a master of renovation. The interesting bit, though, and and I've been trying to dig because there's been, like, so many mixed things about, you know, what this game is being released for. So I've seen things saying 
This is a release for the PlayStation VR and not for the PSVR 2. And since yes. PSVR games aren't compatible with PSVR 2, you will need the original PSVR headset to play House Flipper VR. But then <laughs> I saw an upload that they actually specifically mentioned that it was for PSVR 2. I looked yeah. on their own website and I just I just gave up. I couldn't figure it yeah, out. The, there was the, no mention of it. So the whatever, but the trailer PS4 does say <laughs> PSVR. Yeah. I, yeah, the, I mean, all the branding tells me that this game is... Are they? Is it a new marketing. 2023 release for PSVR one? <laughs> Looks like it. Would be strange, no, it right? Like I, I had the same question, but I couldn't. Like I did like a little bit. I mean, I didn't do that much research. Probably someone can do it way better than me. But I couldn't immediately figure out if this was now actually releasing for PSVR or PSVR two. And sites were giving mixed reports. Some sites were huh. saying one specifically said, "Bear in mind, this is a release for PSVR and not for PSVR two. Yeah, um, and I see some people on Reddit saying that it's coming for PS5. In other words, a flat game as well. Um, maybe yeah, it it's both. Maybe the game. answer is both. Maybe I mean, I've seen a lot of titles that are in this same category of the same uh, pedigree and the same kind of year uh, right. being converted in this amount of time. So it's not... Maybe it's both. Maybe it's both. Yeah. It's both. And then I got... Two more quick mentions. The first one is uh, one that Zim sent me. Uh, that was the Bethesda VR collection bundle uh, that coll that's, uh, consists out of Skyrim VR, Fallout 4 VR, Wolfenstein, uh, Cyber Pilot VR, and Doom VR, all four of those games for 24.99 euros, 24.99 USD, or 22.99 British pounds. Mm. Um, and then the last one, I mean, this must be this must be Adam's favorite. Look, she's already laughing. <laughs> Uh -oh. So um, we now also have, very importantly, we have uh, Barbie outfits oh, yeah. in Rack Room. Uh, so Rack Room has partnered, partnered with Mattel to release Barbie and Ken themed outfits for players in-game avatars. So finally, Zim can now rock the iconic cowboy hat and the belt, as we've seen in the official motion picture. I know that you mentioned Zim, but you already tried it out and you absolutely <laughs> loved it. Do you have like, the pictures oh available that you shared, or are we not sharing those pictures? Yeah, we're not we're not sharing those pictures, Raddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know what? Good marketing on their part, though. I think between Barbie and Diablo, which are two total opposite things, both of their marketing mm. teams have been really good about like you see them literally everywhere on everything in everything. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Speaking of marketing, like what? Where's the Oppenheimer one? I want the Oppenheimer <laughs> outfit. Like I don't know what that would be, but yeah. I mean, they have particular outfits. They could do it, but oh, maybe. I guess Barbie is more Jesus. striking. Is that a pay? Is that paid for content then? Or oh, I suppose it's rec token. You pay for. I have no. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. I did look up a yeah. video, and I think it was with tokens. Um, but yeah, I, 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 <laughs> they're available for purchase I, in game right now. Don't yeah. really go into rec room that much. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! Wow. That is some stuff. You want to give us a recap then, Rowdy, if that's the yeah, end of your list? Yeah, sure. Let me just get it back here. So it's cool. so first and foremost, don't forget, claim your Barbie outfits in Rec Room. <laughs> <laughs> then oh, we Jesus. have U-Boat Asylum Wolf VR releasing on Quest 2, uh, August 3rd. Half-Life Alex, you know, be sure if you want to pick it up to do it soon because that promotion is not going to be lasting for that much longer. It's currently 66% off and it's probably the best VR game to date. Uh, we have Phantom Matrix that just recently released on July 29th, also now 10% off. Yep. And we have House Flipper VR, 
if for some whatever reason you would want to play this, just make sure you have and a PSVR and a PSVR 2 just to be able to play it. Just both. Yeah, and then we also yeah. have the Bethesda VR collection bundle containing Skyrim VR, Fallout 4 VR, Wolfenstein, Cyberpilot VR, and Doom VFR for a really good price. Yeah, good good price. And if you're going down that route, definitely look up mods for Fallout and Skyrim. You'll want them. Yeah. For inverse kinematics and all kinds of stuff. Alrighty, thank you very much for covering off our releases no this week. Appreciate that. Um, not so much the Barbie comment, but you know the rest were, uh, were great. <laughs> you said uh, that you loved it. You were absolutely like adoring uh, it, Sim. Like you spent like one hundred and fifty dollars so on okay. Barbie clothes. Like, we're all friends here. Yeah. <laughs> you guys are slandering me so much these days. <laughs> it's not that. It's 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 Adam calling me out for My Little Pony or this or that. Yeah, yeah I love. Yes, Zim on Discord where you get to show, you know, whatever game you're playing. Zim's Discord game is always so random. Last time it was, what, Peppa Pig, and then this week it was My Little Pony. And it's like, I know what I'm getting you for Christmas this year. <laughs> I swear to I swear to God, I've got little girls. I swear to God, uh-huh. <laughs> I've got right. little sure girls. Thing. Sure thing. Uh, right, well, to help us wind up here and uh, pull me out of the limelight, uh, here are the regular show times. Uh, the F Reality podcast runs every other Saturday on YouTube and Twitch. Uh, the show kicks off at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, and 6 p.m. in the UK. For our audio-only listeners, or simply the convenience of being out and about, uh, we treat you to iTunes, SoundCloud, and Spotify versions of the show. And when you've enjoyed a particular episode, a like will help us know that you're supportive. The comment section, however is primarily if you think we're a bunch of arseholes with poorly informed opinions and you wish to battle us to the death. So just remember that. Chad, thanks for listening to us live about the latest tidbits uh, about VR and AR, this evolving landscape. And uh, thanks for watching. We'll see you on the next Deaf Reality Podcast. Bye.